Hello, friends. My name is Steve. I forgot how you stream yard, but uh, we are here to talk about the month of September. Here with some some friends. We're going to wrap up the month, talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to, and just whatever else we get into. We'll see what happens. But if you'd like to join us, visit our forums at pagetwoing.com, and uh, we'd love to have you. So we'll go around the room. Chibi Poe, will you start us off, please? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Chibi Poe, just you know, read her on page two and forums, and you know, um, that's about it. <laughs> I'm very boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not true. And uh, Jenny? Um, just uh, an author and illustrator that's housebound with paintbrush or keyboard in hand most of the time, except when I'm dealing with the animals. So it's really fun to be here with you guys and have a good Saturday night. Say hello. Talk to human beings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, some I've never seen this guy before. I have no idea how he got in here, but what is your name? My name's Chris Moen. This is my third live stream of the day. Um, <laughs> or third recording of the day at, at the very least. So uh so like I'm very lucky to have that opportunity to discuss as much good and useful things that I love doing. And this this is like perfect for me because this kind of intersects all the things that i do in a lot of ways you know what i'm reading what i'm watching what i'm listening to whatever whatever else everybody else does does so very glad for the invite Steve. of course yeah it's always a pleasure i like how all of us start off with i'm just x y and z <laughs> isn't that funny <laughs> yes we're not a very bright crowd at all well no, you no, don't no. want to overwhelm people with the list <laughs> yeah. Some of us can't even do a list, Johnny. But <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, Johnny, you have a list. I don't. I don't yeah. really have a list. I'm like, well, no, no, I, I don't really a have a list. I just get bored really, really easily. <laughs> and when when you hit an impasse in life, the best thing I've found for me anyway is try something totally new, completely challenging, that will completely absorb you for four or five years, until you run out of stuff to learn, and then. Same thing, rinse, repeat. So, yeah, I have a list, but it, it isn't all current at once. It's just I have a short fuse for sitting still. Yeah. yeah. To, that's to that end, my, my, my parents are still waiting for me to get out of my fears of like fantasy and sci-fi and creative storytelling. Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> they've, never they've never bought me a Christmas present related to anything like that, just in the hope that, you know, I'll come out of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so no, uh, no, no. I'm not going to prematurely die and opt out of fantasy and science fiction. Sorry, <laughs> drawing between the lines is is definitely off the list unless you're dead. Yeah. And storytelling is something that I think. Do, do you ever really get over it? It's something that I think is in all of us, whether whether or not you write or you create or you you just even if you just absorb even if you just watch movies or television or whatever it is it's stories isn't that i mean yeah. it brings us together in ways that i don't think we really realize until you sit and think about it like how stories bring us together yeah. and um yeah they're very important to, i think they're part of the human condition <laughs> and they're part of the underlying way of defining the cultural mythos that we live in mm. and are also the way we break the envelope so I can't imagine life without stories. I think it has to be beaten out of you, honestly, because it's it's natural. 
Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, if cavemen would, you know, tell stories about what they were doing or, you know, Neanderthals and just the beginnings of humanity. Just look in the sky, look at that, you know, whatever it may be. It's, you know. For, for sure. I mean, cave drones were a primitive form of, of recording events, even if nothing else. But like, I even just put it down like in a primal way. Like when you, you get the chance to meet up with old friends or old family, we have, we often joke around um, in my circle that we have the same 10 stories we just recycle every week. You want to <laughs> hear something really scary? Stories, order. <laughs> when I was in college, the astronomy department hired me to compile research on the mythology of astronomy because they wanted to do a course on it. So I went digging through mythology from every single culture I could find recorded in the Dewey Decimal System of five different college libraries, looking up the myths surrounding the cosmos. Hmm. And the thing that was just blew my mind was in every culture, the Pleiades was the seven sisters. In every culture, Orion was the hunter. I don't care if you were talking Australian Aborigines or people that lived in the Arctic, ethnic tribes living in the Arctic. I don't care if you were from Siberia. I don't care if you were from India. The correlations between some of these myths were frighteningly similar. They were the mm. same. The Milky Way was different. Everybody had a different mm. myth about the Milky Way, but certain signal stars had the same stories. And I said, how could you have a global correlation from all of those different cultures, from all of those different epochs of history yeah. and have them be the same. Hmm. That was just like, whoa, one of those mind boggling mysteries that nobody wants to answer. Hmm. There's lots of those indeed. I can think of no better uh, person to give that job to than you, Johnny, of all the people I've ever met in my life. And you're like, I want something together and re well researched. You'd be, you'd be one of the first names in the list. <laughs> well, the, the information was really sketchy, to be honest. Yeah. It was hard to put it together cohesively because you'd only find a line here or a half a paragraph there going mm. through hundreds of books. So in the end, the department wasn't very happy with me because I didn't turn up this giant volume of material. It was just scraps. But the way the scraps that got shoved into the centrifuge popped out and there were correlations mm. like that, mm. it, was, it was like somewhere... Humanity has some kind of common root because how could a myth be that persistent that the Pleiades is always the seven sisters and Orion is always the hunter and Sirius, the star Sirius, always takes that prominent place. So um, interesting. Yeah, the Dogon tribe in Africa marked their time by Sirius and they were not the only culture that did that. The dog days of summer that you hear that expression refers to the dog star, which refers to Sirius being closest to the sun at that time of year. Hmm. It's all astronomy based. So um, in some ways, our culture today has drifted away from that connection rather than towards it. Wow. Hmm. I wonder why that, why have we drifted from that? Too many other distractions? Well, we're not, we're telling time by watches and digital clocks. We don't need to pay attention to sidereal time or know which stars rise at what, what time of season. Um, I think the disconnect is directly probably connected to the industrial age. Hmm. When we stepped away, you know, and you, we started measuring time 
differently because if you read into some interesting books on culture, I'm trying to remember the name of the one. Oh, my mind is a sieve. Um, but basically it says how some Aboriginal cultures tell time and it's different than Westerners do. It doesn't connect to a clock. And what they look on as a cue to start or stop work is completely different. And to our culture, it looks arbitrary and it's anything but. Hmm. It was Jamaki Highwater who wrote the book. I'm trying to remember the title. It's in the other room. I could go dig it up if you're truly curious. It's called The Primal Mind. Um, fascinating book to read because it says what a different mindset some of those other cultures come from. Mm -hmm. hmm. There you go. Found it in Amazon already. Yeah, Jamaki Highwater, The Primal Mind. I knew if I shook my brain hard enough, it would pop out. <laughs> Hi, Jared. How you doing? Hey, Sorry Jared. I'm late. No worries. <laughs> can you can you give the good listeners an introduction? Let us know about you and what you do. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Jared. I run the Fantasy Thinker YouTube channel and uh, on the Page Chewing forums and write a pagechewing.com blog called Creative Crossroads. Glad you can make it. Thank you. Glad yeah. I could too. <laughs> yeah, so I had a question, Jenny. Where you were just mentioning how we measure time. What is time? It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Depends where you stand on the earth. Even what time? It's all relative. Mm -hmm. Relative to some celestial body. I mean, sidereal time that measures by the stars. You can measure by the sun. There's your days. Measure by the season. Measure by but a minute. That's pretty arbitrary. Um, what we run by the decimal system now, uh, metric, mm -hmm. that was invented by Napoleon, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. so I yeah. Before that, they measured by cloth yards or they measured by arm lengths or they measured by cubits or spans. or And they were more organic measures, but they weren't precise. But when we switched to decimal and metric, that was all imposed. It's arbitrary. Hmm. Somebody chose a unit of measure and everybody else followed. Yeah. On a more natural level, it's uh, it's the part of the uh, life and death cycle and the rebirth, the aging process. Hmm. Yeah, I've always, it, then it depends on how, what, what time, if you're next to something that has a lot of mass, like next to uh, the pyramids or next to a large object, time will move slower for you slower. because of yeah. the drag on gravity and it's just, it's mind-blowing to get into it. Good old relativity. Indeed. Yeah. But uh, I guess we can start off with what, we're, what we've been reading, because we can go off on time all day long. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about this all night long. But, but, uh, what so, was yeah. that? I was lying awake last night inventing the mechanics of a star drive. Hmm. <laughs> I get insomnia and, you know, I go off on these crazy directions. Wow. You know, how would it work? What, what mechanism would you use to connect the dots? How would it, how could you build a plausible system? Because relativity mm -hmm. is so elastic, it really is all relative. And that's mm -hmm. true of just about everything. It depends on your perspective or your point of, of reference. But so, yeah, we could go on this all day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. The primal mind. That was what, what the author was. Uh... Uh, 
Jamaki, J A M A K E, I think, high water. Yeah, okay. yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boy, I'm reaching back 30 years for that title, at least. Uh, well, it's exactly 30 years. It's 1st of August, 1983. It was published, yeah. So there you go. God, my mind isn't going, <laughs> isn't shot quite yet, is it? Indeed, that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I have I have no concept, not to go back on time, but I have no concept of time. I, I used to think when I was much younger, when people used to like, when we were playing soccer as it was, and everybody had to take their turn in nets, that everybody else had this innate ability, ability to tell time. So they'd say, right, it's your turn for five minutes. And then somebody would say, that's five minutes up. And I used to sit there completely bewildered going, how do you do that? You've been playing football the whole time, and it was only like shockingly when I was in double figures that I actually realized that they they didn't know; they just guessed. <laughs> well, the jockeys that ride racehorses can clock time very, very accurately. I think mm -hmm. some of that is practice, and some people claim to be able to pre-program their mind to wake up at a certain time. It, it's hit or miss it with me, but if I have to catch an airplane flight, often I'll wake up five minutes before the alarm or I had to go search and rescue because I hated the alarm so much, <laughs> so much. But it's imprecise. Yeah. I wouldn't dare depend on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, musicians re re rely on time a lot That's for sure. while they're yeah. playing, you know, you got to keep really time. And, uh, and it's amazing how accurate they can be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, reading wise, I've read very little. What have you read? <laughs> very, very little. Basically, everything I have read, I have done a stream on or had a stream that I couldn't attend for one reason or another. One. So <laughs> <laughs> I had read the first two books of uh, reread, actually, the first two books of Cities in Flight that uh, Jared has read as well, I think. Yeah. Well, I, well, I know because I've seen his review. And. Um, yeah, you're still. We're still in in the weeds with that one. Doing books three and four. Still in the weeds. God, yeah. I read that too long ago to participate in your discussion. It was a while back that I read that one. Yeah. My this uh, week read was oh what what it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we were having a very brief discussion about it earlier on. I think it's a novel that is uh, suffers because of the product of how it was published in you know in weekly serials. I think as a cohesive novel or set novel put together, it just doesn't, it isn't quite as tight or isn't written for that form, if you know what I mean. So that time good. period too was uh, science fiction was written mostly by men. And it was mostly idea books. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the science fiction at that time is just die, dry as dust. You got to read it for the ideas. Yeah. Um, it, that's my recollection of the title, but trust me, I read that a long, long time, time ago. ago. Mm -hmm. But there are there's some great ideas in it for sure. There like is, the, there the, is the, good the, ideas. The spin busy and then again that space drive that you were talking about, um, Johnny he has his go with it, uh, somewhat success unsuccessfully successfully. Uh, he has the idea that you know other than just doing spaceships that can travel through time and relative space, you can take whole cities and move them through time. That's basically what cities in flight relates um, yeah. to. Yep. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how successful the science is in how he tries to explain it. He kind of tries to explain that he worked it out by building the bridge in Jupiter, uh, which I thought was really interesting up to the point where he just went and ta-da, that's how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Well, it's a fascinating subject. The reason why yeah. I was lying awake designing that was because I was considering writing a two-part story of a Thera first contact. Oh, and to hmm. do that, I would need to know a little bit more. I would have to dig deeper into the tech of the civilization that preceded. So I was saying, okay, I've got this and this and this lined up. I know how this half works from the Atheran perspective, but what about the other side? So I was digging around saying, what would be plausible? Mm. And we know that gravity can bend light waves, and we know that you can't travel linear at the relative speed of light, but you could you could fold. And if you folded space that way to bring two points together in time, what would you use to connect the dots? So I was trying to contrive a mechanism by which you would have one point connect to another point mm -hmm. if you were looping or folding space and how that would work and who could take it over and who could sabotage it and how that. So, you know, insomnia gets straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the tamer subjects. <laughs> when I'm lying awake at night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else did you uh, catch up this week uh, or this month, Chris? Uh, well, we've been doing Gideon Falls as well. Yeah. So, and like enjoying it a lot. I think just it's in general, like enjoying it a lot. We uh, had. Uh, the last issue I had a little bit few issues with, but Jared talked me around, and it's now my favorite <laughs> bit of the entire series. It's a it's a graphic novel that is got fabulous artwork and paneling. I think we are all agreed, and that's some of the most interesting stuff uh, that I've ever seen, actually, in a in a graphic novel or comic book. Uh, and it basically tells the story of uh, well, this is the thing we don't know: parallel dimensions, parallel universes, wormholes. All things are possible in, in this place. There's definitely different time periods that are involved. There seems to be same characters in, in different time periods that they couldn't possibly coexist in the same time. It's a bit of a horror sci-fi kind of thriller, uh, all based around the idea that there's a good versus evil, possibly, maybe. Again, Whoa. not sure. Not, not sure. We don't, we, don't, we don't know. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of uh, postulating. Like I've, I've only read of, issues of it. A lot of religious <laughs> symbology and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's all interesting yeah. stuff. But the whole concept of the universe is evil—that'll put a twist in some knickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the only the one thing I'll say about it is. It's interesting. I don't think we thought, thought about it. Something really occurred to me is the only concept of good is the people are good, which is actually, hmm. you know, interesting in its own right. Because normally there's a higher power that's good, the higher power that's evil. This one, it's only really representing that the only good power is humanity. Um, and that there huh. is, like, I haven't, I haven't thought about that in that way. That again, the more that you think about storytelling and stories that have been crafted for you, the more you kind of dive into them and go hmm interesting i thought about that that is the the people are the the only good things yeah new idea chris new idea new ideas indeed Next but i need to record yeah <laughs> <laughs> or otherwise and then the last thing that I, that I, I basically got to read um uh, was the gallant which is jenny's own short story 
that was i mean if Jenny can stop listening for a second i think was really rather wonderful as well <laughs> it made me Just, cry yeah it only took me 10 it only took me 10 years to write it oh wow, really? 10 years well spent in my, yeah. in my view then Jenny, for sure <laughs> Well, it's like fitting the ideas together and placing them in history and having just the right bits to come forward. It was a lot of decision making and a lot of I, writing those backstories is tough because the minute you pull on one piece of yarn, 50 others yeah. in the knit, you go, end up going sideways down rabbit holes. But yeah. speaking of the gallant, I have a sequel in mind and I've oh. tried Wow. Four or five different beginnings that I threw out because I didn't like them. I think I hit on the good one today. Oh. But okay. I mean, if it writes at the snail's pace, the other one did. <laughs> you might be waiting for a while. Yeah. So there's three three of us read that together this this uh, oh, this month. That's Should sweet of you guys. As well. Yeah. Thank you. So it was it was uh, a real treat. I have to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was great. I'm kicking myself that I didn't submit that wide. I never submitted that anywhere. I did mm. it as a, what was it? One of those one month quick novella collections to uh, bring so in new readers. And they had, novels. yeah, they had been bothering me for years to give them an original. And I didn't know I didn't have to give them an original. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't have to give them an original. So, um, <laughs> I had this novella almost finished and I said, oh yeah. And so I caved and then I really kicked myself. I didn't send it to tour.com or some other place, mm. but there it is. It's out there. And if anybody's listening wrong and never read any Johnny's work, it's a good place to start. I'll tell you, for me, the real, the thing that's really striking about it is I, within 10 pages, I concur so much about a character in a novella. It's one of the often the feelings that I have in novellas is that there's never enough space to really mm. get to know characters and kind of come and best them. So you, it, you don't really get that. 10, 15 pages, I'm all in. You, you, you could make somebody cry at 15 pages if you wanted, <laughs> you know, given the, the way that you write characters. It's it's really something. And mm. uh, I think that that kind of follows through, I'd say, in dear larger works as well. So, you know, I think if you're looking for through lines of, of one against the other one, aside from the writing as well, there you go in Chili Poe. Yeah, the... but you can't get that anthology anymore. It's oh, gone. Yeah. Jeez. Hmm. No, it's the only place you can get the gallant is on my studio shop until if I ever get the three ideas that I want to complete, yeah. then I'll bundle them as a book and I'll put it out there in one volume. But right now um, I'm keeping it small. Yeah. But yeah, I think it comes down to not every idea is worth developing. Hmm. And so how do you hmm. pick a character or a story that's worth telling? I'm really, really selective. I have a big box of unfinished stories that just were not worth the time. So I'm really, really selective. And it's also fitting the idea into its correct space. Oh, for sure. That story Those didn't are... need to be shorter, would have suffered for being shorter, and it wouldn't have worked as well longer. Yeah. Hmm. Those are the tough decisions. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. I don't I don't envy that. <laughs> Insomnia makes it real easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
an overactive mind. I, I, I'm really, I don't, yeah, I'm really glad I don't have that either because <laughs> I have no problem sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. So that, that's been pretty much all my reading this month, which is very, very light for me, but you know, coincides with a busy day, you know, and not having much time at night. But there we go, at least I got some good quality reading. So, Steve, what are you reading? Well, first, I want to. I want to just. We need to get the pitchforks out because Chris only read a couple of books. Did you, you didn't read a hundred books like everyone else, Chris? What's going on? I mean, I didn't make a book video this month either for that very reason. <laughs> no, <I laughs> but, it, but that is the reality, though. Yeah. No, I think it's good because I think a lot of people, whether they do or not, I think some people have this. Uh, they put this undue pressure on themselves to read. 50 books per month how do you read 50 books in a month and get anything out of it like how do you absorb any of it and so much time and effort goes into these books and to to rush through them it's sad it's like take your time and enjoy it and absorb it like you know take it in but yeah i've actually been trying to uh mood read this month i've been trying to just kind of mood read which is weird for me but um I read A Congregation of Jackals. Um, it's the same author who wrote um, Bone Tomahawk, the film. And oh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. S. Craig Dollar, I believe. Yeah, it's a short book. It's very dark. It's a Western. It's um, it's not supernatural at all. It's just a story of revenge. And if you can escape your past, if you do terrible things, it'll, you know, things will come back around at you kind of thing. Um, also, of course, Warhorse of Vastmark by somebody named Jenny Wirtz. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of her. Um, another another wonderful wonderful installment, and I'm 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 glad to see the series is getting more attention now. I think it's getting more and more people are talking about it, and more and more people are commenting, even on some of our older videos. Like I've just found Jenny, and I love the story, so it's great yeah. that more people are being introduced. Wow. Yeah, the uh, so I'm reading. Um, Manifest Delusions with uh, Varsha That's and right. Dan. So we read The Mirror's Truth, and I'm also we're in the, almost about to finish um, A War to End All. Um, I did start listening to An Ocean of Others by Joshua Scott Edwards. Oh, yes. um, I'm not crazy about the narrator, though. Is the thing. Oh, I'm but the actual the, narrator. The, the, the but the book. The voice. Is good. Yeah, yeah. But the book is good. Um, of course, um, I was trying to read Perdido Street Station. I did not do a good job with that one. <laughs> I fell way behind. Um, That's what I course. just got off right now. The last discussion, I just left there to come here. We yeah, just finished I, up. <laughs> I was trying. I, I couldn't do it. It's uh, a big book, though. Yes, yeah, it's, it's big. It's a chunker. It's a little bit, yeah. Um, I also read Androne, uh Dwayne Worrell. Oh, yes. Yeah, I read that. It's another short science fiction book. Um, enjoy that one, too. It's very short, very action, fast-paced. It read like a film but i think that's mm. Dwayne is a screenwriter so i think it's right. kind of to, to be expected and um i started i also started the entangled life which is really fascinating about fungi fungi i've got that book here yeah yeah it's really interesting I've, i was trying to do a chapter a day but I just it's it's been a wild week yeah so. um i think and of course getting falls Yes, yes, yes. And your weekly pose as well. Yeah, that's fun too. I think they're very short, just reading single issues because yeah. they're like thirty pages, and it's it goes really fast. Um, so yeah, those there's too many of those to name, but 
some really great work being done out there that I didn't know. I'm, I'm not into capes and cowls, like the superhero stuff. Mm -hmm. There's so many great creator-owned independent stories being told yeah. out there that it blows my mind. Yeah. Um, Swan Songs, Swan Songs, especially, is, is an anthology series that they're doing every month is a different series. It's the the theme is the end of something. Okay. So the first the first issue was the end of uh, the world. It's about a um, a man and his his mother is dying in the hospital and the world's ending around them and he's trying to get a book for her and she's okay. on her deathbed and he he goes out to brave the apocalypse to get her a book to bring her comfort in her last few moments. Uh, the second issue was the end of a marriage, and it goes through this history of these two people who loved each other, and their marriage is falling apart. Really touching, and uh, so yeah, lots of great stuff out there. But yeah. and of course, Berserk, which is <laughs> very dark, <laughs> very dark, uh, very violent. But yeah, so I'm, I'm reading that with uh, JC and Burn, Varsha, and Dan, and Dan Dolores. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I didn't realize I read that much until I. I was going to say you started this yeah, whole thing off with the, with a yeah. prologue and a speech and a rant about the people who read so much. I know, and yet, yeah. well, in, in my defense, I am only a few pages. I'm only a few chapters into an ocean of others. I, I started that on audio, and the other the other ones that I read are fairly short. Yeah, so not too they're not too not too many chunkers. So I do not read fast. Because my days right now have been double shift, two different art deadlines running at the same wow. time, plus all of the graphics that I have to do to get the promotional out for the next book, bookmarks, revised all the bookmarks. But I read Sister Song this week, which I had been avoiding, Lucy Holland's Sister Song. I was avoiding it because years ago I used to do ballads. I used to do gigs in bars. I did ballads and I was familiar with the two sisters ballad. And I said, this is going to be a grisly story somewhere along the line. They're going to bring the horror of what that ballad was about. Um, so I avoided it for years, but I have to say it was an interesting book. It was highly recommended to me by Paige Christie, another author whose work I admire very much. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the best portrayals of a trans character I've ever seen in literature to date. Um, which is dear to my heart because I see too much of the effects of that in missing persons. Mm -hmm. um, the tragedy that can happen when those people are not understood and are cut off. It's really unpleasant, their mm -hmm. lives, yeah. what becomes of them when they're not given space to be who they are. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the book a lot. Um, even though it's a tragedy and even though, yep, they, they went into the horror, it was pretty bloody. Um, they didn't pull their, their punch. Lucy didn't when she wrote about the gist of that ballad. Hmm. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the ballads, Two Sisters, um, where one of them is murdered and they make a harp out of her bones and give it voice so that she can tell what happened to her. Oh, so it's, wow. yeah, it's a pretty spooky Halloween horrific ballad. Um, you can find it in Childs. I'm sure you can look it up on the internet. It's called The Two Sisters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I see that book is... I have a... My 13-year-old is trans, or certainly identifying as, as alternative. Would it be okay for somebody of that age to read? Somebody... Or is it a, of 13? Um, 
There's no explicit sex. It's right. about three sisters who are daughters of a king, and they're growing up, and one of them is trans. Okay. Born biologically female, but not a woman. And how everyone, the, the pressures of the society and the women on the society strikes the sisters all differently. Okay. And the trans character has to finally acknowledge who they are, find themselves and insist. You know, it starts out with them just dressing in male clothing and not mm -hmm. conforming. Mm -hmm. But as the story goes on, um, so I would say it deals with some pretty brutal subjects. Would a 13-year-old read it? I could have, but I read yeah. everything. Um, what was it? I really admired what Diana Gavaldon said about determining reading for kids. If they're too young for it, it's going to go right over their heads. If they're old enough to comprehend it, they're old enough yeah. to start grappling with the ideas. Yeah. So, you know, I read The Agony and the Ecstasy at 14. Some teachers would have said, oh, don't read that. Don't give that to a kid. I had a, a English teacher give me deliverance as a junior in high school. I had never encountered male rape in a book. Yeah. It pretty well raised my hair on end. And I came back and I said, whoa. And she <laughs> said, oh, it never occurred to me that that was, <laughs> that was American. I've done that. I have, yeah. <laughs> but looking back on my experience, if they're old enough to comprehend it and start asking questions, they're probably ready to, to learn about the world. And and if you're really unsure, read it first. Read yeah. it yourself. And and to, to that end, the, the idea that we need to sanitize things until people reach a certain age, uh, people are going to find that stuff themselves, you know, uh, by hook, by crook, whether it's real life happens to them or uh, some other form gets shown to them from something happens to their friends. And sheltering kids too much, uh, I think, is, is actually as much harm as good in some ways. You've, you can find a way to find a happy medium. So, yeah, find out what's in the book and then be ready yeah, to discuss it. But, you know, I read Narnia very young and I all the Christian reference went right over my head. I didn't even care. It was just a good story. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I remember seeing the cartoon when I was a kid, the uh, animated version. Yeah. You know, the idea that animals were powerful, more powerful than the people was really cool to me at that age. But I didn't see the parallel to religion because i shut off my ears in sunday school pretty young yeah. you, you take out of those things what you want to see uh, yeah i think organized religion died for me the minute they told me you know when i said what are we doing in this this is literally what i said at age six this smelly church <laughs> it stinks in here there are all these people packed in this tiny little room it's a beautiful April spring day. Why aren't we outside? And they said, this is holy ground and this is, you know, sacred space. And I said, how can it be more sacred than what the creator made outside? God made outside. So how is this church that people built more sacred than creation outside the door? And they, they told me, nope, this wasn't true. Hmm. <laughs> and right there, that lack of, knowledge of logic blew it for me i was gone <laughs> it's true though enjoy the day 
So yeah, I but think I'll, kids yeah. kids are, are more logical and smarter than we think. Is that something that we've we've done more of in recent in the last twenty years or so? Is that is that something that we we try to do more than just let kind of are, are we too do we overthink that too much as you mean as, the helicopter parenting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why the term came about because it's more recent development that that kind of parenting, you know. It's uh, it's it's uh, it it happens these days, you know. I don't know if it's necessarily more recent development as in as much as it just got more attention. I think it started with television. Hmm. Thinking back to, I mean, Jared, you Maybe. probably remember before TV. I was very small, okay. <laughs> but before TV, you know, we had this little black and white thing. Yeah, I had the little black 20. and white one. Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> and it didn't come into the house even until I was seven, six or seven. And the shows weren't very good. And, of course, my brothers were older than me, and they'd beat me up. They got to watch what they wanted. But the whole thing of parceling time and getting kids to do something else so parents could be free, we were left on our own mm -hmm. a lot yeah. more. So I think it began with television because you could park the kids in front of that on a Saturday morning, the adults, and get get a break. The, yeah, the TV was the babysitter. Yeah. Uh huh. And then when that wore thin, now it's whatever else they do. But I, the kids today, they're growing up end 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 end, one activity another, and they're not given the free time to mess around yeah, on their own. Yeah, they don't come time. up with their own toys. Yeah. Plus the plastic era, when toys in the toy aisle became something that kids had to have. I mean, we played with pots and pans on the kitchen floor. We didn't have all that stuff, all those bright neon plastic toys. We didn't have that stuff. The cardboard made, box was a great Yeah, thing we made cars yeah. out of cardboard boxes exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went skidding down the hill on you know, plastic that we took out of the kitchen before trash bags, whatever we could get our trash can lids. We would hose down the hill and go down the hill on a trash can lid in the summer when you couldn't, when you couldn't. Oh, so yeah. where did that kind of free play go? We're so urbanized now and kids are, the parents are scared to death of whatever's out there that's going to grab them off the street. Yeah. We were just taught really firmly, don't talk to strangers and for God's sake, don't get in anybody's car. Yeah. So it's a different world. Yeah. My, my kids are at the same age as I would have been on an emotional intelligence level, like so far beyond what I was at that level. Yeah. But in the same stage, there's still so much they don't know. They're, they're nowhere near streetwise or anything like that as, as I was. And I definitely wasn't, you know, even even in that time. But compared to them, it's like, oh, you know, no. no. So it, it is that kind of thing. What they've gained in one hand, they've lost in another one. That, that free play element, I think about that experimenting and making actually real mistakes rather than yeah and they're, they're, they're more jumping. stressed out than what i remember yeah being when yeah. i was their age you know uh, so We're... in this it's the advent of having too much information at your fingertips you know where they have access to way more information than we did when we were younger and it it raises a stress level and also lowers the like you said the free time uh that that we had so i don't know about you jared but the way we grew up we would disappear for an entire yeah, day that's that's what i'm saying we wouldn't yeah. show up back home yeah. till the dinner bell we'd yeah. make a peanut butter sandwich at seven in the morning and leave the house and nobody worried it you know 
nobody worried until after dark when you kind of straggled home because you couldn't see anymore. Yeah. So yeah, we, 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 sh- we showed up at dinner time because we yeah, were hungry. That's, that's unthinkable <laughs> today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. It is. Yep. And, uh, well, I mean, in some respects, I've seen people like, you know, of the mindset that it's like, really, you just walked off and disappeared and your yep. parents had no idea where you were. We were in the yeah. woods. They knew, a, they oh, knew. Yeah. I, yeah. Likewise. I mean, I, yeah. That would be a horrifying idea today to some, you know, to a lot of people. My dad had a, one of those free on boat horns, you know, <laughs> and he could, if he wanted us home, he would let that thing off and you could hear it for a couple of miles, but wow. we would be that far away. We would be that far away in the woods. Yeah. We would be. Um, so yeah, if they really wanted us back, that's what they used. Yep. You know, so we would have a pack of kids. We wouldn't necessarily be all by ourselves. We'd have a couple of friends or a brother or a sister. Um, oh, but yeah. Yeah. we would disappear for the entire day or the entire summer, every day. Yeah, yeah I didn't have um, a lot of, you know, woods areas. But, you know, it's like I would have gone out and I'd be ranging, you know, way miles away, you know, um, before I'd come home. And they're like, where are you? I said, just out. We also were walking distance to the town library. Oh, yes. So I would walk to the library after school and come home with a stack of books. I would pass by that on my way home from school at one point. Yep. Spend all my allowance on batteries so I could sneak read under the <laughs> insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read all the all the Lord of the Rings in the Gollum scenes under the covers with a flashlight. It was terrifying. <laughs> I was fourteen. Uh, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting, but uh, what else? What else did you uh, read this month, Jenny? Um, besides Sister Song, I read. Um, What's her name? Maytar's Legacy of the Brightwash. Talk about oh, a book that yes. haunts you after you put it down. And I'm resisting <clears throat> buying the sequel immediately. Because <laughs> the <laughs> cliffhanger, you probably heard my scream across the entire internet. <laughs> I hate cliffhangers, and that one was particularly awful. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a disease of author brain. You leave an author brain with a cliffhanger, and what do you do? You take your insomnia and you rewrite a million different endings, which are not <laughs> the one the author yeah. intended, and they're not one that's going to be any good to you on any story that you'd ever write for yourself. Yeah. So it's like you're burning rubber, <laughs> going nowhere until you get the book the author wrote to get the ending they intended. So, yeah, I was pissed at that cliffhanger, but it only goes to say how well the book was written and how thoroughly I was immersed in the characters. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I haven't started it yet. So (laughs) make sure you if you get a third of the way into the book and you think you're going to like it, just buy the sequel so you don't go through the torment. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the best self-published books I've read on the list of many that I've been experimenting with over the last couple of years. Wow, what uh, what other whatever self what other self published books or would be your top five or so? Well, that one would be up there. Let me think. Um, 
I was pretty impressed with Blood of the Spear by Mark Timoney. Mm-hmm. It started pretty mundane and pretty ordinary. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to have to use a pen to keep myself awake. This feels so ordinary. <laughs> and holy crud, he just exploded that beyond what I could possibly have foreseen based on the first chapter that felt very much like, you know, young kid getting bullied. Yeah. Um, and he's taken his time writing the sequel. It's not out yet, but I'm glad for that because the spin that he's got going by the end of that book if he's going to make something of it, he can't rush it. He totally can't rush it. Um, so that one impressed me pretty strongly. I'm trying to think. I mean, my head is full of so many different books. So give it's, me a moment. And there are many others that I felt were really well done. Yeah. But um, the recency bias, I want to get yeah. put that yeah, aside sure. and let the other yeah. ones um, float to the surface. I find sometimes when self-published books first come out the first one is often better and then they they get into hurry up and put out the next one and hurry up put out the next one so i find it hard for some of them to maintain the quality that they did when they when they put out their first and that's true of traditional authors too. yeah well they have years to perfect that first book they make their first Mm -hmm. sale and then suddenly they got to work under deadline Mm -hmm. and that's a whole different ball game can they maintain the quality over time so it isn't a self-published problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Not at yeah. all. It's it's funny. We it's I think you can also say the same for a lot of bands who mm-hmm. have that first album and they they spend years on it and they put so much time and effort into it. And if it if it becomes successful, the record companies and everyone else and their fans are like, we want the next album, and they just pump out the next one. And it's I don't I can't think of very many who who it, there must be a lot of pressure to produce yeah. it and get it out right away. I think especially for music. Usually that first album is the combination of their greatest tests of the past five years of them touring, et cetera, going, you know, the focus tests and things and a live venue with people. Mm-hmm. And then they have six months to prepare the next lot. And I think that's very unfair. And it's very rare, as you say, that a, a band can ever match up to the first record. Other other self-pub that I feel is growing in quality as it goes is um, P.L. Stewart's Drowned Kingdom. Yeah. Holy oh, moly. Cool. Yeah. That guy is a really good writer because taking an unappealing character and immersing you and making them just heroic enough that you keep coming back for more. And believe me, each book as it comes out is better. That's great to hear. So if, if you if you yeah. are stalling at the half point of Drowned Kingdom, don't keep going because oh, yeah. that's where it starts to really pick up and it gets nothing but better as it goes. So I'm expecting very great things out of that writer. Um, there are other very well done self-published books, but I feel like they are probably written for an audience that they're striking to, and they have struck that audience. They're absolutely yeah. hitting the mark, but that might not be necessarily my closest hmm. preference. But those three there um, are the ones that crop to mind immediately. I would like to try an experiment with you guys, speaking of music mm. and, and putting out albums that it's hard to maintain the quality. There was a group that I stumbled across. Um, I don't know if any of you are fans of Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane. Do you know who I'm, I'm talking you. about? Yeah, I know who it is. is. Yeah. yeah. The band's name is October Project. They did two albums. One was called October Project, and the second one was called... Sony 
bought them. Their lead singer can sing like Grace Slick. Unbelievably powerful voice. It's sort of a mix of Renaissance, Jeffrey's an airplane, and um, oh, what am I thinking? Uh, the name of the group will come up. Everybody I suggest listen to this band goes crazy and loves it. Hmm. Right. Absolutely loves it. But Sony didn't know how to market them. It sort of disappeared into nowhere. The quality of the of the two albums they did were just astonishing. And then they dropped into obscurity. They lost their lead singer. They came out again as November Project, and they're equally good as November Project, but different because this but the the one thing that was unusual about that band was the person who wrote the lyrics to their songs was credited even though she isn't a singer or a musician she just wrote the lyrics but the lyrics are are incredibly well done just as an experiment look up that that band and tell me what you think of them because i have hmm. never yet recommended them to anybody that they didn't fall in love with it challenge hmm. yeah. accepted <laughs> cool. I'm a person that likes liking things, though. So the, the chances of me turn around and saying, "Yeah, I don't like." Well, it, I don't I, know what I, your I tastes are. Up. I have no idea. It's their their music is very melodic. It's very original. It's really beautiful to listen to. The lyrics are powerful. Um, hmm. The mix is just um, incredible. Hmm. Just incredible. Cool. I'll check that out. Cool. Yeah. 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 And we're coming up on Halloween, so October project. How can you miss? Very sure, indeed. Yeah, we're almost to October, so tomorrow. Very timely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jared, what did you read this month? What did I read? Oh, did I'm I... sorry, Jenny. Was there anything else oh. you had read this month? I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm a slow reader. I told you. Yeah, I savor every word. I, uh, Actually, I did read one other book this month. I read the closure of um, Philip Chase's trilogy. Oh, you finished yeah. it? Yes, I did. And he absolutely achieved what he set out to do. It's a it's solidly um brought all of his themes home. Hmm. And uh, I don't want to talk about the ending too much because you probably he just put it on sale. Nobody's gotten to it yet. But that yeah. was my three books. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That was my three books for this month. If you're a John Gwynn fan, you will love this trilogy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, Jared, what did you, uh, what did you read this month? Well, I finished, uh, I finished Perdido Street Station. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that was, uh, kind of wacky and wild and strange, but it was, uh, it was good. It was good. And I finished, mm -hmm. um, I finished the, uh, the book that wouldn't burn. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, um, I really liked that. I really liked it a lot. It was it's about a magical library, so what's not to like, you know? <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed those a lot. Um, and then I'm in the middle of a bunch of other stuff, <laughs> including you, including Fugitive Prince. You know, I got I'm waiting for you guys to catch up for that. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I already read Chad read the next three chapters the day after we finished recording more, as far as I remember. Yes, I did. <laughs> and now I'm like, I'm like, come on. Uh, and I'm in the middle of Return to right Dawn, and I'm doing that Cities of Flight in Flight uh, book that I'm in the middle of. And uh, 
in the middle of uh I'm in the middle of uh uh Toll the Hounds, my reread. Oh, yeah. Um from in there. Uh and uh, yeah, those that's enough. <laughs> that's quite enough. <laughs> no light reading in that pile, that's for sure. Uh no, I, and I kind of um I mean a few of those a couple of those a few of those are read-alongs you know so i um i just uh i guess you know i get sucked into those read-alongs and uh or bullied into them by fasha and <laughs> she, she's very mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's uh, the berserk having an effect on her i'm pretty sure <laughs> she seems uh, the, she seems the least likely person to read berserk on the face of it but actually she, i think she rebels in it and uses it for fuel yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know and philip was kind enough to to give me the the arc for this so i had to i had to stop that that, that was very nice of him and um so uh that's um that's the big list yeah yeah two of the nicest people philip chase and uh varsha i mean just wonderful people to be around yeah very yeah a pleasure complete pleasure yeah, yeah. that's what's very hard to say no to either anybody like that you know you're just kind of like well yes of course if you've asked yeah. me i feel privileged and honored i will say yes to that <laughs> and, and, getting, yeah. and getting false <laughs> with you guys you know but uh yeah, yeah, that's right. but uh and, and and i have my own uh weekly uh pulls list uh comics that i read as well so <laughs> i'm oh. uh with steve there it's, there's a few probably a few too many to make list but uh yeah. what um, are a couple that stand out to you uh well i, I think you're reading the sacrifices i'm, I'm enjoying that yeah um <clears throat> That's really uh, Rick Remender, right? Remender, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his name, yeah. Um, and uh, I also um, enjoy anything by Terry Moore. Um, he's he puts out Strangers of Paradise, uh, so I don't know if you heard about those. Um, and he uh, he has a the current series is called Parker Girls, and that's kind of. Um, just it's just a continuing on of the strangers in paradise story hmm. um which he's a self completely self-published uh outer outer and writer writer and artist um and he's very good um i like his stuff and uh, uh i also read to conan whenever that comes out yeah. <laughs> just because i'm conan fan so yeah i always pick him up even though the uh, the stories haven't changed much over the years but um it's something comfortable i slip into all the time <laughs> so that's good and, and a few other things a few other yeah. mostly mostly fantasy based comics and independent or image you know yeah. uh creator owned i guess uh comics that i really enjoy i don't really do the superhero thing that at all <laughs> there's no stakes there's no it's like yeah I mean, I got burnt out on it. You know, I, I read a lot, I think, of, a lot of superhero stuff in the '90s, and and yeah. uh, I got I got burnt out on it in the aughts. Yeah, I think a big problem with the superhero comics is they're kind of just stuck in this. You know, um, both Marvel and DC are kind of stuck in this. You know, eternal now, and nothing really ever changes. So it's like they have these big events, but they don't really have any lasting impact, and so. 
it's just always, you know, Peter Parker is the, you know, um, nerdy kid, you know, living with his aunt, you know, and even when they try to, you know, some writers try to, you know, advance him beyond that and do something, they, you know, they're like, no, we got to go back to the status quo. Oh, we're missing Chris Claremont. His wife was my editor once. I love Chris Claremont. Yeah. Yeah. He got me into Supercaro comics. Did he? Okay. Oh, yeah. Because his, his, um, his X-Men got me into reading superhero stuff. Speaking of creator owned, um, the Wendy and Richard Peeney's ElfQuest is 50th anniversary this year. Is it? Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote some stories for that a long time ago. Which was sanctioned. Uh, well, what happened was Wendy decided she wanted to go delve into the back history because there were 10 yep. chiefs before Cutter. Yep, yep. And she knew she would never have time to write it all. So she chose 10 authors that she admired wow. and asked us to pick a chief and which, write. Yeah. Which so one I did. Yeah. I did Skyfire. Oh, OK. All right. I probably read that. And there were four <laughs> anthologies or five print stories and then one of them became a comic they adapted it to a comic so um two of them i guess three of them were reprinted in my short story collection because i was allowed to reprint them in my own collection and it was so funny because the upquest fans wrote me back and were all upset and angry and saying <laughs> how did you do this it's just a rip off from ElfQuest and I said read the copyright page <laughs> <laughs> it was thoroughly sanctioned in fact I was invited to write these stories by Wendy herself yeah. I met Wendy way back the first time I ever had paintings in a gallery there was a Boston gallery did fantasy paintings by women artists there were five of us and Wendy came sashaying in the door and she grabs the front of her jeans and yanks it out and says, I'm a woman artist. See my balls. <laughs> it was Rowena. It was me. It was uh, Don Wilson. It was Wendy Peeney. And I'm not sure who else. There was a fifth one in there. And we ended up with, and we ended up making buttons that said prima donna bitch, Harridan and shrew because that's what it took to survive in the field as a woman. Wow. <laughs> so I think it was Victoria, um, Victoria, what was her name? Was the fifth one. So anyway, that was the first women artist science fiction show, but I thought you'd get a laugh out of that one. That's great. Sure. Yeah, I met uh Wendy and Richard um one time. They were very nice to talk to uh at a convention signing. That's yeah, I love ElfQuest. I love, I love so, that. yeah, that led to writing a story probably 10 years later or a series of four or five of them for nice. um, her anthology by invitation. Hmm. So there you go. Very nice. <laughs> My brief little dip into comics. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you can think of? I know you have a long list. <sighs> Yeah, this. Um, <laughs> you <geez. laughs> probably can't remember. <laughs> There's more stuff I want to read, but um, uh, no, though that's it for the books. You know, I, I think that's. Uh, I think that's it. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else as far as uh, I know. There's a few more comics, but they. they yeah. Without without them being in front of me, I uh, can't recall them. And uh, Chibi Po, what did you read this month? Um, let's see. Uh, what did I read or did I finish? Um, 
Well, I started uh, uh, Naomi Novik's um, little, I think it's supposed to be YA trilogy. That's sort of a, a, you know, a take on, you know, the magic school thing. Um, and I read the first one of those, I think, late August, but the second I finished this month. Um, it ended on a cliffhanger, so I'm not sure if I really want to go to the third one. I was kind of annoyed about that. Um, um, but I was liking, you know, I was liking it a little bit because, you know, it's like, here's a magic school, and they're actually doing magic because it occurred to me, you know, it's like our other big example of, you know, here's a magic school. You know, it's like Harry Potter doesn't cast a single spell in the book, the first book ever. Hmm. He doesn't actually, um, people around him perform magic, but he never mm -hmm. actually performs any magic in, in the entire book or the movie. It was like, okay, you know, I just, someone pointed that out to me. I was like, oh, that's odd. But, you know, anyway, um, so I read that. I am reading uh, slowly because um, I keep getting distracted with other things. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, oh, oh, I love that, that series. Um, I love that series. I mentioned it to Jenny, you know, pretty much, you know, from her recommendation, I went and bought all of them. Um, <laughs> and so I'm working my way through that. Um, and that is, uh, what, what's the series, uh, Chibi, for people? Uh, Shadows <laughs> of the Apt by uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so this first one, Empire in Black and Gold. I yes. love that series. Brilliant. Still pissed me off one character. What he did with that character pissed me off. I will be pissed off to my grave on that one. But it's a wonderful series. I loved it. You know when a book gets to me, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another absolutely like a gentleman as well because we we, we get yeah. chance to interview him uh, a few weeks ago and like just a lovely person as well. Lovely oh, spent yeah. time in yeah as well. Yeah, How can he write such horrible true. things sometimes? But I don't know. <laughs> what was it uh, Betty Ballantyne used to say? Science fiction and fantasy readers are the most interesting, intelligent, and inquisitive people on the planet. They were her favorite people to work with. And she worked with people who wrote Westerns and people yeah. who wrote every other kind of thing. You know, Ballantyne books span the gamut. Um, what a treasure. I was so sad when we lost her and Ian. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, that stuck with me because I think she's right. I'm not very happy with people who stick to the norm. I just, I've always felt this because I actually see it through my own kids. The kids that are in the science fiction fantasy have themselves figured out a long way before most of their peers and yet spend most of their teens punishing themselves for being different. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of a weird thing, but I look at the surety that they have about themselves and that the, they exist happily in a creative world, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I always look at and go, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I got that one. Uh, I started on um, after the, you know, I hadn't really been interested in it before, but after the hubbub, you know, that came up earlier this year, I started on Illborn. Uh, hmm. So I'm a little ways into that. Um, Jackson. And then, you know, someone, you know, stole my joke earlier, but, you know, um, I also, uh, even though I read it just like a month or so ago, I did a recent reread of this. Um, yeah, he did the heroic task of going through the ebook and listing by phrase all of the damn typos. Hmm. 
because the publisher yeah, said they I... had to have proof that they were there. Yeah, yeah, All the one-star reviews that I sent them, that wasn't proof. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, heroic effort. You deserve a medal. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm working on this, of course. Yes, you did a print. So. Oh, that's cool. I got the same copy. That's the... <laughs> Start of the third arc. Yeah. Don't be thrown that it's an arc start. It's a build. You've got trust at this stage. Yeah. You're okay. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Because, yeah, the, I, as many years as the series been out, people still don't get the arc sequence. Mm. They don't get it. Um, just not enough awareness on the ground, that's all. I give Robert Jordan two and a half books waiting for something to happen. <laughs> there's, a, there's a character uh, in discussion. There's a character, you know, it's one thing that, uh, you know, um, the TV show's done well is they're actually, you know, for like Matt, you know, for like the mm -hmm. first four books, he's not yeah. even really a character. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they've kind of sped around that to, in the TV show to actually give him something to do. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Chibi, what did you what did you think of Illborn? Uh, I am not very far in it. Um, I uh, has anyone else read it? No, no I haven't. Uh, it's, it's been on my list of books to kind of uh, keep my eye on. It's not a big one. Um, it was interesting to start. You know, um, when I, I you know this first part of it, you know, and I'm thinking it's like, okay, I'm going to be following this, you know, the guy, and he's going to, you know. Um, be gathering these people up or whatever you know and then he does something that i was like you know like right before it happens i'm like oh yeah no i see what's about to happen here it's like i don't want to follow this guy and then he does a pretty graphic thing i was like wow okay that's mm. a way to start hmm. um and so i'm not too far in i don't remember how far um it's somewhere on my Kindle, on my phone. So, uh, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I just have all these other things that I am reading. So, um, okay. uh, or I haven't gone far enough to you know um, to see any you know anything for, you know, that uh, any of the complaints that were you know shut off about it. So. But it has been, at least for a warning, you know, uh, kind of kind of violent um, really? here and there, oh. um, right off the I'd... bat. That's not what I expected of that, for sure. Yeah, I thought it'd be more traditional um, yeah. fantasy. Well, <laughs> uh, without you know going into you know like uh, difficult you know spoilers, there's apparently some people that'll you know be chosen by you know, something or someone and there's an extremist religious order that uh, is apparently, you know, very opposed to those people being chosen by what or whatever. And I'm pretty sure you can draw the line from there as to, you know, what the, you know, extremist religious order is willing to do. No. So I was like, whoa, okay. Um, Um, but I don't know how widespread that is, or if it's a, you know, here we're a hidden little secret subsect that, you know, goes and does terrible things because, you know, you know, we can't let anyone know about this or whatever. I don't know. Hmm. But, 
uh, I'm still, you know, it's like, it, it's interesting and I want to keep going, but I'm, I, I haven't formed a, you know, major opinion on it yet. I'm like, hmm. so we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. 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 You know, how Danny mentioned with Blood of the Spear, which was my experience, is it, it's like, okay, well, this is a thing to start with. I'm like, all right, well, let's see where this goes, you know. I'm just like, is this going to be like misery and torment? I don't know, but you know, right now. Oh, that thing opened out. It didn't take too long. I mean, within a couple of yeah. chapters, it started taking a different tack, and by five chapters, it was like totally on different ground. And when you get to the last three quarters of that book, um, if he can sustain what he started there, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Totally caught me off guard. You know, people send me books, and sometimes. I start to read them and it's like, is this going to be a painful experience? Because they're people I care about and they're people that I don't want to say anything unkind to. And they're people that in many cases I have to work with them. They might work at a bookshop and they might've been pushing my series for years. So I don't want to ever throw cold water on somebody's start because you can't tell on a first book where they're going to wind up in their career. You never can tell. So I believe that any kind of effort like that needs to be nurtured. But Mark Timoney's book just totally blew me away. I was not prepared for the way he, what he took going forward into that series. And so I'm looking forward to the sequel and I'm glad, like I said, he isn't rushing it because where he left off in that book, the possibility for depth is incredible. Mm -hmm. And I hope he doesn't misfire on that one because if he doesn't, it's going to be an incredible series. It just took a while to unwind it. So don't judge it by the first chapter. Hmm. And the first chapter wasn't badly written. It just felt very much like so many other fantasy books to start with the young boy getting bullied. Yeah. And getting a disappointment in chapter one. And so I said, oh boy, here comes another story like that. And I couldn't have been further wrong. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Indeed. He just used that as a common ground to open it. I'm I'm terrified sometimes to get a, a, a book from an author that I know. I, I would imagine as an as a fellow author, it's even more nerve wracking to because it's you know your it's your peers and it's to so to receive a book and then to like oh here we go again like <laughs> but you know it's I'm glad it turned out better than expected. You though. you try when you get a book to look at if it's competently written. You try to say what audience is this book for. And then you comment it and you review it based on what art audience it was actually written for, even though that audience may not be me. I have written and read widely enough that I can appreciate the effort going to a different readership. So that's how I handle most of it. When it comes to a book that's really ineptly done or just doesn't have any spark to it at all, that gets really hard and I miss the old ethic and the old ethic was you got sent a book, you did not say a word to that person that you sent the book to. Either they commented on it or they didn't. And if they didn't say anything, you didn't stir the waters because that's where you go into uncomfortable territory. Yeah. I mean, they could have had a life, life problem that made them not finish. They could have just not been to their taste, but invariably it's going to be painful to them if you bring it up. But now with the internet, everybody's just a, social media click away yeah. it gets really difficult and 
I've noticed a tendency on authors who mail me books unasked or they send me the book and say, I hope you like this. They just have to come around and ask. And then what? So if it doesn't pass the smoke task of what audience this was written for and can I review it for that audience so that it connects that person to the readers they want to connect to, um, it can get awkward. So I try not to. I don't want to be one of these people that just says, don't ever send me a book. Don't ever let me give it a try. Um, but it, it's it's not easy because you really don't want to hurt their feelings. And you know how much as an author effort goes into writing a book. You totally know how devastating it can be when you hear nothing or you get a bad comment. So you just try to let let the grown up take the stage. It isn't always easy to do that either. Myself and Jared were talking a bit about that earlier on because I was trying to recommend him a book from somebody that I had met on a Friday conversation, for instance. And even that two-hour interaction that we had, for some people, could taint my experience of it, per se, necessarily. But as I was saying, like, the fear is, what? Well, don't even read the book because I kind of like that person as 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 a person, as, and, you know, it can only taint. But there's nothing better, like in the case of Pale's, you know, uh, book, for instance, I think all of us here actually really love it. I think it's a terrific book, you know, the, the first one, and, and then it really gets better. It gives me such gives me gives me such hope, you know. So that that idea when you you get to know somebody, but you also you know secretly go to read your book, get the end of it, and go, no, I I can shout from the rooftops about this because this is this is pretty great, and I think this should be read by other ones. I think it's a very is a great and very fulfilling thing as a reader to to kind of see that the the personality of the person mirrors the personality of the book in some ways. It can be quite nice. Yeah. And what you said earlier, what we said earlier too, was I always appreciate the effort, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, no matter what I think of the book, I always appreciate what the, the work that goes into creating something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If oh, I showed you some of the early drafts, of some of my work that are still in the file box that I will send the papers because my author papers, I've got a home for them. Um, I'm going to make them available because, it, but if you saw where some people start, yeah. the sad thing is, and the glory is you can hit self publish and you can hit yeah. that button too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what happens then? How do these people, how do they survive the learning curve? In the old days, you've survived it by rejection after rejection after rejection until you figured it out. Now, with that self-publish button, you learn by the harsh review, I suppose. So how do you grow the thick skin? How do you grow up when the Internet is there capturing all of your gaffes and mistakes? Yeah. Until you learn to handle criticism or, or handle that your book isn't going to please everybody, which frankly makes me cheer because if you don't please somebody, that's a, that's a judge of the quality of the work in many ways. You know, you don't go through life without making enemies unless you have no stance at all on any issue. There's a minute you take a stand, somebody's going to hate you for it. Yeah. So, but how do you grow your creative spirit up when there is no peer school teaching you how to do it mm -hmm. you can't can't grow into a vacuum you know it's just, just doesn't 
you need you need that kind of loop or that creative feedback loop that then we can prove so what do you do how do you sort it you sort it by who the people are what they say on the internet you have a feel for them bouncing around the various forums you have other peers or other friends who've possibly read the work yeah and you can ask about that you have a, a genuine sense of who they are are they coming speaking from the heart are they speaking from the ego you know if they appear on a youtube channel you can sort of connect by listening i do a lot of mm -hmm. lurking i don't comment but i watch a lot of channels yeah. you you kind of get a feel and there's always that read inside the book function yeah mm -hmm. that's yeah. yeah no i i didn't i didn't stumble upon pl's work by accident i you know I, uh, I, I listened to what people were saying about it. I listened to that and I, and I listened to, you know, what, what I, I, I know what I like. And so that's how I finally decided, okay, I'm going to get this and read it. And, well, Christian, and was, Cam, Christian Cameron gave it a huge endorsement. That's pretty mm -hmm. big. Yeah. The other way that I do, if they, if they approach me cold and they send me an email, cause my email is very public, I will look at what they said in their email really really carefully and if the third line is i never read your work but <laughs> because i don't care if you never read my work that's just fine you know there are too many books out there you can't possibly read everything but when you're going to ask me to comment on your work it helps to have done your homework to see if our audience even overlaps and if you never read my work how are you going to know where the common ground is that i might even like your book yeah. Or my audience would like your book because if I make a comment on it, my audience is going to be looking at that. So there, there's doing your homework about who you send a book to. Yeah, that'd be kind of that'd be kind of ballsy to send a book to somebody you'd never read. I, happens, all happens all the time. <laughs> wow, <laughs> far more often than you would ever imagine. Wow. Expensive business sending books to people. <laughs> I'm sure. I think Jared and Chris. I'm sure you guys have gotten this too, where you get like a copy and paste thing, like "Hello," and it's the wrong name. Like I got one. I've got a few that said "Hello, Andrew." Uh, I think you'd really like my book. I'd love to send you a copy. It's like I'm not, I'm not Andrew. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's like it's not. You know. So, but yeah. I mean, it's. Just take the time to change the name at least. Like, you know, I get like copying and pasting, but just take the extra five seconds to change the name. Like, you know. hello, Jenny Worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I didn't mark it on Goodreads, but I also read this because uh, I got my copy back from storage. Um, and I hadn't read it in a while. Uh, what's that? Sword Dancer? Jennifer Roberson? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's a good old classic. That's a fun yeah. book. That's a whole fun series. Yeah, I've got this one. It's a. It's that's a, a great fun like a... read. Jennifer, yeah, it's a great fun read. It's about a male swordsman who has an ego bigger than a house, and he's a tremendous chauvinist and he comes across his equal if not better in the sword ring and she's a woman 
And it's just great static. The books are a light read. They read fast. And you will never forget the horse called the stud. The stud is an ornery donkey. And he's constantly trying to throw his overly chauvinistic male rider. And the relationship between that guy and his horse is enough to make me coming back to those books. Yeah, they're well worth looking up. They've been around a while, but the topic is certainly timely. What's the name of the book again? Sword Dancer. Jennifer Robertson. Yeah, she's got this. Uh, she also wrote a Robin Hood retelling, which is great. Robin comes back from the Middle East with bad PTSD. <laughs> oh, really? yeah. And Marion is quite the character. So she writes it from Marion's point of view. And she also wrote another one called um, Lady of the Glen. And it's a retelling of the, of the, of the Glencoe Massacre. Oh, told wow. from the women's point of view, and it's really, really well done. Jennifer writes a good book. She started publishing early. She was practically in her teens when she did her Chisuli series. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I have, um, I have all of those. I was like, so I ended up you know, starting that one from reading the very last book. It's fun. <laughs> it's a but fun read, and it's work. certainly timely topics, and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Hmm. I need to pick up her one series, Caravans. Caravans is really interesting because it doesn't take the black and white stance. It 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 deals with otherworldly kind of demonic beings, and they're not bad. But it's um, I think she's. I'm still waiting for the third book. She wrote the first two. I'm not sure whether she's got the third one out yet. Don't take my word for it because sometimes I lose track. The last year's been yeah, pretty I intense. I, I thought, you know, I had the first one. Um, I know she I came out with the second one because I read it. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't even know this was a series. I was like, okay, I got to get the rest of these. It's kind of Gypsy Caravanners um, hmm. is the setting. They live, they live itinerant in wagons and they're not accepted by the other cultures and they have otherworldly magic. And it swiftly drifts into, I guess they guide caravans on the roads where the roads are safe and not safe going through these forests where if you stray off the known route, you get in deep trouble. So it's a great concept. You know, we got caravans 2006. Yeah, the third one's out. The third one is out. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll have to yeah. chase it down. The, the wild road. Okay, she got the same title on it that um, Jane Johnson and Mark M. John Harrison collaborated under the Wild Road. That one's about cats, feral cats. Hmm. Feral cats have all the magic. It looks like there's looks a like fourth one. Got a, uh, well, looks like it's considered a fourth one, but it's like a short story collection for okay. just dancer and caravans. Hmm. Interesting. The more discoveries, more books out onto your list. I know. My my wife yeah. gonna hate these. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that my preferred way of dying will be to be crushed under my TBR list. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm only too happy to feed yours. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> We're all the same at heart, you know. Killed by yeah. stories. That's the worst way has to go. Uh, I think Robert Aspern did it right. 
He was sitting in his reading chair and he took off his glasses and his wife found him. So he just sat down to read one night and just left. All peaceful and quiet. That's that's the perfect ending. Yeah. I hope he got to the end of the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, I had very mixed feelings because my memories of Robert Aspern was sitting next to him on panels, serious panels at conventions. And his little sato voke comments just had me under the table laughing so hard because he would have this nonstop stream of comments and nobody else could hear it. <laughs> and you could not keep a safe fra- straight face. You could not stay on topic. You could not take anything any other panelist was saying seriously or the audience. He was bad, bad, bad news for keeping a straight face on your reputation. <laughs> I will miss him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, good memories as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Nice. What else is on your list, uh, Chibi? Uh, well, I kind of want to do, um, and I have to track them down. Um, I kind of want to do a, uh, it's a want, more of a want to read um, uh, because I think they could do with more, you know, uh, attention you know just because i want to fight recency bias um and i think sometimes they get can the two of them um end up being conflated into the same person um, because they have similar names of you know Catherine kerr and Catherine kurtz um who did you know in the 80s you know started both started around the same time and you know did these huge long stories where everybody's like oh you know you know like you know of complained about this in the past to people who are like, you know, people are like, women don't write sci-fi. I'm like, it's funny. You know, most of the sci-fi and fantasy that I read in the 80s was by women. Women, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. they both did like, I think I recently saw it. Someone's like, who's written the most books, you know, in a series? And someone's like, you know, such and such has done this. And I'm like, uh, they still got about eight more volumes before they get anywhere close to having written as many books. If you're going to read Catherine Kerr, you probably want to read DeVary. Yeah. Yeah. The Definitely want to read DeVary. If you're going to read Catherine Kurtz, read the first three of her Dorini. Yeah. Uh, those are well worth it. The first three yeah. Dorini and then like it or not, go forward. But the first three of her Dorini were delightful. Yeah. Hmm. I think it was, was it? Was it? It was Kurtz who also did the um, adept stuff with uh, Deborah Harris, I believe. Um, she did other things. So I'd read some other stuff by her, but um, and you know, but yeah, it's like you know, I, I always thought it was funny because like this, they they both started around the same time, and you got Deveri and Darini, and I'm like, and I was like, do people get these confused or just kind of blend? Well, them Catherine in? Catherine Kerr came after Catherine Kurtz. Catherine Kurtz was sort of in between Mary and Zimmer Bradley and used to show up at her convention every year in Delaware. Mm-hmm. And so she came before Catherine Kerr did. Dorini was after I moved to Florida or be- just before. So that would have been late 80s, early 90s would have been very. I remember seeing it. I think it was in the 80s, late 80s. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas 
Catherine Kurtz would have been 70s. I'm guessing. You know, I'm sticking a pin in a map based on my visual memory of the setting where I read those books, where I lived, what my room yeah. looked like right. when I was reading those books. <laughs> and that would have been 70s or very early 80s. Would have yeah. been. That all ends up because, you know, that's when I was just like, here's the library. I'm going to look at everything. And here was, you know, two of them and, you know, the both of them and similar the, sounding names. And the first three Dorini books were actually part of the Ballantine fantasy series. Hmm. So they would have been 70s. Hmm. The Dorini series started in 1970. See, see, <laughs> just about right. <laughs> I never doubted you for a second. I don't even know why I bothered Googling it, to be honest, Johnny. <laughs> well, she's one of the few writers who actually mixes the Catholic religion into fantasy and does it in a very interesting way. But she gets more and more into that as she goes forward um, into her series. So sort of start with the Dorini series and see if you like that, because it's going to get more of that as you go. Yeah, it's like uh, almost like Templar like stuff, right? Is that she what did some Templar stuff, but with her husband. Yeah. Oh, okay. They used to show up at Dragon Con, hmm. and yeah, they did some historical novels on the Templars. Yeah, and if I remember right, like both of them, you know, they're still recent, fairly recently had stuff released in the series. So, oh, they're not dead. They're not gone. Yeah just pre-internet a lot of their stuff has been forgotten mm -hmm. just like my first five novels have been virtually written off because people don't know they're there mm -hmm. pre-internet by by 80 early 80s was my first debut so it's got lost in the in the shuffle because everybody thinks that there were no books back then <laughs> <laughs> There was no fantasy back then. There's quite a lot of it, actually. It's just they didn't have large press runs. Yeah. It's back in the days of paper books. So unless you stumble across the copies used or unless you're lucky enough to still have them in print, um, they've disappeared or they're ebooks only. So a lot yeah. of the authors from that time period, Judith Tarr and... Um, we've lost a few lately, but there are quite a few still out there and they're writing. They're all still producing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. All those early books. But those are the reprints, actually. Those aren't the originals. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I've got the... I think those other two I showed you, you know, they've got different art group, Stone Warden and Shadowfane. But... but yeah, there's a whole roadmap of, of authors that were publishing back then that are still producing so if you like this and you want more like that i can often pull up an author from those time periods it's well 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 worth your time a lot of quality work there's also a lot that's just like anything else sturgeon's law and the problem with frequenting used bookstores is the books with the low press runs don't show up the books with the high press runs show up all the time like wheel of time or the books that weren't very good show up all the time because the ones that were really good became keepers and the copies have been destroyed. They're all tattered. They've fallen apart or they're hard to get because those copies are still on my shelf. Yeah. 
but there's a whole encyclopedia and I'm more than happy to shed light on those writers so that some of the recency, you know, these are living writers. They're still producing. Um, it's a shame they're forgotten. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I will spare you showing, you know, this cover of Sorcerer's Legacy because it's the terrible one. And no one needs to see that. I'm like, This is audio, though. <laughs> oh, very nice come up. Indeed. Very nice. So, yeah, there was some pretty cool stuff. In fact, a lot of people don't realize Robin Hobb got her start as Megan Lindholm. Yeah. And she wrote a book called The Limberth Gate, and it's a trilogy, and it's about itinerant gypsy-type people that live out of wagons. And uh, it's charming. Mm. But almost nobody's heard of that series. Harpy's Flight, I think, is one of them. But yeah, there are three of them. You can probably look it up on. That's what Goodreads is good for. Four. You'll yeah. be able to find the titles of those series in order. Yeah. And um, uh, Margaret Wells did a you know bunch of stuff that. Oh, her death of the necroman necromancer is timeless. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Death of the necromancer. Yep, it's a caper story. It's a caper revenge story, Gaslight, written before Gaslight was a big deal. Um, it's part of her L.A. Rien series, but it's the best part of that series, and you don't have to read the sequels. It's a very high-quality, well-written fantasy, well worth time to dig up. Hmm. Another science fiction writer that wrote a fascinating series, Janet Killian series, written by Christine Smith. Almost no one's heard of her books. It's about a war veteran who was taken captive by an alien species and they changed her DNA specifically to make her the ambassador between species and stop the war. Really interesting ideas. Kind of surprised the, the element of fire. Is that the first book? That's a good book too. Oh, I was looking at the wrong book. But you don't need to read the others. You can read Death of the Next Romancer right out of... Okay. Just read it. It completely stands by itself. If you want it to. Death of Necromancy, two of the things that Steve loves best in books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Amazon card has gotten... Uh, it's screaming Swelling. Mercy, yeah. <laughs> hey guys i gotta run but yes. uh this was a lot of fun can i ask you before you run off jared did you find perdido street station depressing uh, i found it tragic um i did pretty find it. pretty grim yeah it's tragic it's a tragic ending but uh i wasn't depressed or anything like that but uh he's you know it was it was uh it was a very cool story, but uh, I, uh, yeah, it did have a tragic ending, especially, um, especially. I don't know if anybody knows, but the the, uh, the character of Lynn, the uh, the Capri character, I found that extremely uh, heartbreaking. That part of it, but uh, but uh, good good story though. It was it was it was a uh, it was a good book. Hmm. Good catch up here. Charles, yeah, 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 it was fun. Thank you. I had to go Thanks, cook Jared. some dinner. <laughs> All right, bye bye. Take, Take care. Bye, Jared.
Nice. Uh, anything else on your list, Chibipo? Uh, um, not, not really, no. Um, uh, kind of, uh, uh, at least, you know, want to read and um, uh, I think things are probably looking, sort of looking forward to. Um, I don't know how many, you know, uh, um, you know, play play games wise, but um, uh, you know, I do a little 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 gaming on the side, and um, the you know, final final wrap up for the story for you know the um, uh, current expansion of the Final Fantasy fourteen game oh, you know, comes out next week, so I'm looking forward to that because um, for a for a video game, um, you know, and it's like you know. Like they spent the last ten years a long form story, you know, and they just brought it all to a conclusion, and it's really, 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 you know, like some top notch stuff for a video game. So, hmm. I, I like that the the uh, the side of the end because, as you probably know, a lot of multiplayer RPGs just tend to die out at a certain point. They just kind of like, keep them going and going to the point that they become irrelevant. So, actually, having a finite batch of story. Is, uh, yeah, because it's like yeah, you can start it and you play through from you know the Realm Reborn stuff to Endwalker, and it's a complete you know, you know, uh, cohesive story. And, and you yeah. know, now they're starting, it's like, okay, this is all done, we're gonna start a new one now, new story now. So cool. So I'm curious to see where it goes, but you know, just over the course of the last couple of years, you know, if like I, I was stuck inside with COVID, so I ended up playing a lot of it, and you know, when the one expansion came out and um you know it's like it's it's a multiplayer but it's telling a single player story or single person story so um and it had so much stuff in there it's like yeah i'd be playing you know cutscenes and the way they told the story and the voice acting and everything and before and i was i can't count how many times i just started crying because it was that well done it makes you care about the characters and everything. So. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Hmm. And I think we briefly saw a cat there. <laughs> There's always a chance. Yeah. And Jenny had a... Oh, I'm sorry. Anything else on your list, Chibi Poe? Uh, no, that's about all. Like I said, I've got a whole bunch of things on my TBR, but I'll just get to them eventually. <laughs> and Jenny had a, a big cover reveal this month. Oh yes, yeah, I did. Yes. I yes. did. I did. Hope I didn't botch the rollout because the publisher was supposed to wait and do the cover reveal and get the cover up for the pre-orders, but the pre-orders went up with no art, and so it was sort of like oh. I lost my editor, so everything was a little discombobulated, but. Um, thank you all for helping because it gave the day a real good reception. What is that like to to have that day come up and to have this big announcement and just waiting for everything to kind of happen? That must be nerve wracking and exciting and everything at the same time. Well, this year was different because, frankly, cover reveals weren't a thing. Hmm. So I used to do the paintings and it was just me and my small circle of readers because I would put the paintings up on the website 
watermarked so people could see what I was painting at the time I finished the art. And then I would put the composite together when the publisher put the type on it. So, but there wasn't a cover reveal per se. And when I did the reveal for Destiny's Conflict, which was the volume prior to this, not too many people were aware of the series and that's starting mm. to change. So actually this time was really refreshing to see so many people get excited about it. So the reach is widening and that's re that really feels good after so many years of just kind of working away in the dark here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what's going to be really fun will be the release next May because people, you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun when you have your hands on this book finally. I read uh, because... that blurb and I was like, oh man, this is going to be so good. Yeah, and you picked <laughs> up on the exact line that should have set off the spark, Chibi Po, when you said, oh, I just reread that line in ships of Marior and it, it sat you up in your chair because yup. <laughs> uh, well, um, I don't, I don't want to overtake us with, you know, just talking about your stuff. But no, also, we don't, we don't want to do that. But no, I'll, I'll, I'll send you that thought. So <laughs> fugitive prince that I was like, Hmm, that made me think about it too. So, oh. <laughs> well, the line was actually that sat you up was in ships of Marior, wasn't it? Right. But I was reading fugitive prince today and I got to the, um, oh, another uh, one. Yeah, another line that you know made me think about that. So. Yep. Well, it's fun because Fugitive Prince is a bit of a sleeper. Some of the characters that are pretty active in that book, watch for it because Storm Fortress, it's all going to come together. Hmm. Things that you think just happened in this volume that aren't of consequence when you're reading it, it will carry consequences you go this down the firm. line. Can't wait for it, it's so much fun watching you guys unravel it because I yeah. know what's coming and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's really enjoyable to watch <laughs> you make the discoveries. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was fun to, to take part in that. It was fun to be a yeah, part of that that day. So it was lots of fun. Um, so Chris, what's on your list of things you watched? You have a long list, right? So I have a long list of movies. I'm, I'll try and pick the things that people might have watched otherwise. Um, I've been watching The Burr on TV. Has anybody seen The Burr? I've heard it's really, really good. So I am only um, in the latter half of season one, for instance. And I have to say, one of my favorite modern trends in TV is TV series that are talk about how you build people up and how you grow people and how people can be imperfect and be improved and be allowed to make mistakes. That's at the core center amongst all the drama that's going on. That's really what the bar is about. That's one of the reasons that I absolutely love Ted Lasso as well, because that's what that's about as well, where a lot of TV shows and a lot of narratives in modern society talk about how we break people down and how, you know, waiting for people to fall. And that's where drama occurs. It's much more interesting to subvert that and actually look at it the other way. So the bar is the story of, of a guy who's, whose brother kills himself and he inherits his restaurant. And he was working in a high-end Michelin star restaurant, but he's, he's taken over this deadbeat rundown cafe kind of thing that his brother has left saddled with debt. And he inherits the staff that are there and about how he then is going to turn this this place around but in all all truthfulness 
it's probably impossible to turn around because it's sat in so much debt and it's in a deadbeat neighborhood and people don't really want good food out of that area and all of that kind of stuff but it is it is very life-affirming and some of the some of the relationships and scenes are just so well written how you how you write and show somebody that's going through an awful lot of trauma in their life subtly without kind of beating you over the head saying you do that it's just so wonderfully written and so carefully written and i think human humanity on screen is rarely been done better i think than that type of um that type of drama so yeah the bear's pretty terrific hmm. a lot of people have, have enjoyed it but films wise right <laughs> i told you i'd watched 27 movies this month which is a lot for me like wow. i'd say it is a lot that is a lot um but highlights right i watched the fablemans by uh steven spielberg i think i've seen that one so the fablemans is the story of his life young life as a young man and his family and and what was a uh a quite conservative home where they wanted him to study schools doing well school but all he wanted to do was make films in a creative capacity and i think it's uh, it is very melodramatic and it is a bit schmaltzy, but it also is a celebration of creativity and actually what it's like to grow up as a creative person within a society that wants you to get, earn a solid wage, get a proper job. I'm sure you must have heard heard things like that over over, over the years, Daniel. Although maybe you hit enough success when when you were younger, but it's that kind of idea. And, and realistically, he would do all the things that he was supposed to do just so that he could make more movies, just so that he could do that and the final scene especially is very much about a celebration of, of movie making and it's mm. such so light-hearted and i just i just thought it was wonderful for all the melodrama and all the smaltiness of it he, he earned it he earned it by doing that and it, it was just mm. it was just lovely um another one that i'll talk about is wendy now this is a very modern it's a retelling of uh, peter pan i'm actually going to get the, the uh the director's name because it's only a second movie and hmm. it's told from the point of view obviously of wendy and uh, the fact that they go away with the two uh the two brothers james and john i think are the three things um uh, ben zeke zeitlin is what you call the guy now what comes across really clear it's very like unusual very fantasy-esque tiles type story very kind of not not as much straight narrative about people, but it's very much about aging, as Peter Pan is a story about people afraid of growing old and actually the fear that people just want to stay young forever and all of that kind of stuff. But they had it's a very, very young cast by all accounts. And it shows the process of how they cast these kids and then work with them for about a year and a half doing team building exercises, teaching them how to act better, how to work better as a group. Because it's the Lost Boys, you know, that's really what it's all about. And about how much he is hands-on and everyone in that class is very hands-on but right let's do some uh exercises on like if this person's drowning or something what would you do what would you know see how they react naturally and we're coming with the kids that way and it just comes out the screen it's just some of the most brilliant kids performances mm. in what is quite an unusual film I, it's like it's not it's not like peter pan which has got the sweeping story it has that but it uses the fact that a lot of people know that story well the kind of tell a more spiritual story or a, like a, a feeling or a vibe of a story and you get that really through so those are those are kind of my favorite watches this month they're really interesting watches that i watched this month some famous some not so famous whatsoever so yeah wendy huh wendy yeah it, it's it's from 2020 um and it's just there's something about it i, I remember getting about halfway through it and going i'm not sure 
I'm really not sure, and I'm really not sure what it's about or what it's trying to do. But by the end of it, it's this thing with an old cast and a young cast, and it's just, I re, I just really loved it uh, in terms of what it said it doing the kind of way it did it, and it's just beautiful to look at. They've obviously picked a beautiful location to do it, uh, and really celebrate all that life's about. Might, people might find it a bit yawny, you know, nothing happens, whatever. But that's kind of filmmaking that I really, really love. That kind of visual storytelling, where just kind of go. Yeah, like I, I was doing a, a chat today about one of our favorite films, a ghost story again today. Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. And it's yeah, and it's it's another one, a lot of visual storytelling in that. For a lot of people say God nothing happens, it's very depressing. There's so much happens, you know. It's those spaces that you get to fill in with your own thoughts. Love it. Oh, ghost story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's coming up in a podcast episode in a couple of weeks. Nice. So I, I actually think I mentioned you. And I actually, I, like, I think you got a name drop because we did that not lot that long ago. So yeah, that was a yeah. good one. I like that one. Yeah, that great, great movie. Yeah, for very sure. touching. Yeah, one of my favorites. What about you, Jenny? I know you're uh, you're you're. It's the Netflix ended their physical uh, shipment. I'm kind of surprised because I think some people assume everyone has access to high like high speed yeah. internet. And not everyone does, and I'm a little bit surprised they stopped that. Or you have access, but you got to pay for it because it's metered, mm-hmm. and then you have to pay for all the various services because no one single one has what you want to watch, and um, the entertainment bill could become overwhelming. Yeah. Sure. And uh, unless things really take off and take a different direction, we don't need to add to our monthly expenses. Not with food and animal food and cost of living rising at such a galloping rate. Yeah. And all the uncertainty with, you know, social safety net getting threatened every election. You can't count on. So we're we're afraid to just piss money away. And we also added up if you pay for all this internet to get the high high speed to get and even then it's metered, you're gonna pay extra because you can't stream that many movies. Wow. in a month um and then you add the various services to get the films well how about just buying them outright and it turns out you can buy an awful lot of films outright the only mm-hmm. problem that we're encountering now is a lot of the really interesting shows on streaming are not coming out on dvd you can't even That's buy them right. i can't see Andor. i can't see the the um rings of power i can't see because they're just not producing a DVD. So they're cutting off a very large segment of the population, and it's a pity. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason for it. It's easy enough to, to release a legitimate one. I, I think but, what they're doing, they're, they're so desperate for people to join these streaming services that are trying to lose a lot of money. So I think they're trying to force people into them mm-hmm. and not provide any other options. So if you want to watch Andor, which is really good, then you have to use Disney Plus or you can't see it. So exactly. Well, too out, bad, consumers. guys. Yeah. You know, you just cut me off and I'm not going to go feed the pirates. Yeah. I have too much respect for creativity. So pretty much you guys wrote me off. And what about all the people who are older and can't keep up with the technology? Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> they would watch many movies. They would continue to watch movies forever. So what's the problem here? Um, they would rather lose people and, you know, like the book industry, we'd rather produce a few books and print lots of copies 
and get bestsellers out of them than support a good solid midlist that actually feeds individual taste much better. So I think we're losing our choices very, very fast. And the only thing I can think of is if big get tech gets too big, then they're going to force a niche market. And science fiction and fantasy began as a niche market. It wouldn't make me too unhappy if it went that way again. But with AI coming on board now and all the outlets being snowed by AI produced stuff, how do you find the good stuff? It gets harder and harder. Same way as we always said, good word of mouth. Unfortunately, it's it's the slowest form of spread, as, as you know. It's, uh, it's the one that's... Word of mouth is best. only good if people know it's there. And when there isn't a marketing program or there isn't a, a vehicle to get it in front of the public, when there isn't that kind of awareness, perfectly solid work can drop out of sight. I mean, look at my series. Yeah. Lack of marketing disappeared it. And it still has disappeared it. So how do you overcome that if you have a niche market? Because when the niche market thrived in science fiction and fantasy, it was a very small community but everybody kind of knew each other. Yeah. Mm. You know, this was again pre-internet. So there were science fiction clubs, people got together and they talked about things. What's going to take that place? Place of that. Right now YouTube is part of it. Um there there are other venues, but as big tech gets more and more demanding about how much of your personal life you have to put on to verify your identification how much how many people are going to want to surrender that you know personally i really don't like having my cell phone number attached to a verification process because it's off all the time i have crappy reception here um this this desktop is hardwired we don't use wi-fi yeah. um so you know i guess the galloping pace of tech is not adding up how many people are getting left by the wayside and that's a pity. And now they're closing libraries. So I I really think in the next few years, I think there's gonna be there's going to be a big change and we're gonna see a snap back to I think now it's starting to I think it's starting that people are starting to unplug and and look trying to get away from from digital uh, like from social media and just being always connected. And even millennials who grew up with the internet who that's always been a part of their lives. I see more and more people think more and more millennials now saying like, I, I need to just get away. I need to really. Okay. Yeah. Because I see it still gaining speed, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's taken powerful hold of people. I have to disconnect um, because I can't take too many hours of screen time or too many hours of social interactions or too many hours of, and, in order to stay connected, a certain amount of it is required. Otherwise, I would disappear and go out of sight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I really miss the days when the editor and the marketing department and the publisher did all the work, and all I did was write. Honestly, that's all I did was write. And now the demands on time that publishers are insisting on is out of sight. Um, trust me, whole novels worth of time are going into some of the things you have to do just to stay visible. And do we want that kind of world? But whether we're going to go back to the way it was, I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold. I really don't. AI is going to eliminate a lot of people's jobs. 
Yeah. Unless people take a stance and and unless values shift away from money as the biggest driver, if decisions were made on seven different points of reference, we would see a different world. But when money is the number one point of reference, that's going to continue to drive this. And until that system breaks and we wean away from it, and what's going what's gonna to cause that? I don't know. Climate change. I mean, looking at those pictures of Brooklyn flooding, I'm like, my God, the subway I used to ride to take my illustrations into the art director, the bagel shop I used to stop at is probably waist deep in water right now. Breaks my heart. Sure. So the future is um, in play because chaos is moving in and the, how we handle that will determine everything. So in a way, this is an interesting time because we get to make that choice. If things are breaking loose, if you said like millennials are getting tired of being plugged in all the time. Uh, but I don't see it. I see more and more people making more and more choices that are connecting them to their cell phones at the hip. I, I do wonder if this digital minimalism will become the counterculture and will become more popular with the younger generations. It'll become the cool thing to do or the we're kind of like the rebellious thing to do and just like to get away from what has always been the status quo for them to that may be a form of rebellion for these younger generations. And I, I wonder if they will seek out relationships on different levels other than followers on whatever platform. I don't know. Counterculture is an interesting idea. I didn't see it moving that way, but that's certainly a, a interesting concept that it becomes rebellious actually to unplug your phone. Mm -hmm. But What's I see parents, you know, shoving a cell phone into their six year old hands because they can't bear to be out of touch. Yeah. So I really don't know what the future is. I mean, I, I've seen some pretty, pretty shocking things in my time because the time that, that say first search and rescue in Florida, they say after 24 hours, you're no longer searching for a live person. You're searching for a debtor. Yeah. 24 hours? Are you kidding me? People would drop dead that quickly. They don't have enough common sense to stay in the shade. Reason out that if you drink pond water and you get a parasite, you can treat that. But dying of thirst is worse, yeah. you know, dehydration in, in a hot climate. So the whole survival instinct thing is is shifted patterns so hard Um and it, it's kind of a rude wake up. I was sitting in a car one time with a kid who was just about one year from graduating with high, from high school. He wanted to go into finance in New York so he didn't have to work but could make loads of money. <laughs> and he asks, what does the sun come up in the east or the west? Yeah. And I said, are you serious? And he, and he said, yeah, I'm serious. East or West? Does the sun come up in the East or West? And I said, you don't know? And he said, yeah, I need to know because I have to choose which side of the car to sit on in this road trip so that my cell phone screen doesn't have the sun on it and I can see it. Uh, and that see. just frankly blew all my fuses. All of them. You don't know that the sun comes up in the East and goes down in the West? Really? Crazy. I seen a I seen a video. Sorry, it was on TikTok. Uh, somebody posting a, a question just to say, you know, what do people do when they didn't know something before the internet? And somebody just responded and so went, "We just didn't know." 
we just didn't know. It was the same with uh, again. I was talking about if anybody remember the Lord of the Rings animated uh, films that they did many many years ago in the late seventies and then early eighties. I didn't know until the internet that they actually finished that off. I was thought that it just stopped dead at at just the end of Fellowship of the Ring, but they actually finished that off, and there was no there would be no way to know that back in. 70s and 80s because you would have been waiting for somebody to hear it or word of mouth in the same ways that we're talking about like they had mimeographed fanzines and that's how you knew (laughs) but you had to had to subscribe to the fanzine or find it or something you know what i mean it was very very difficult to know that that was even a thing you know the people like we had mobile libraries came around in the 90s and and um And that was a big change to say, oh, God, I don't even have to go to the library. The library's going to come to me. And it meant that I could, uh, <laughs> well, it meant, actually what it meant for me was rather than walking to the big library and all the books be open to me, I had a selection that I would pick from. And it actually made it a lot easier to pick a, a book in that case because the selection was kind of more limited. And I could say, right, I'm going to focus on this. And I know in two weeks' time when they come back, I'll probably get that one next to it. And I'll get the next one. And I'll get the next one. So I read Ty Brooks series because they were the books that were in the mobile library at that time. Um, and I read them out of order, of course, but uh, that didn't matter back then because you were just looking for fantasy stories. Um, so, yeah. You had a thing called quickly. Interlibrary Loan. And you could get books shipped in to That's your right. library that the library didn't have, but you had to be able to talk to the reference library. You didn't know back then you found a way to find out because it would be in a book or a person would know it or it would be in a museum. But it involved going off and actually physically chasing it. Um, now, when you don't know something, I don't know. I still I still do old fashioned research. I don't like Google because sometimes the information is wrong. That's just true. Just because it's the internet doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> totally <Yeah>. not. <laughs> fan clubs. Where did fan clubs go? That's how you had to I find it. Like, you know, wanting to, you know, if you were wanting to find books or whatnot, you know, it's just like 80s and 90s, you'd have, and I think some of the older copies I have of Jenny's paperbacks, in the back you'd have the little order form yes. that they would print in there. And it would be like you just you cut that out of the book or whatever, you know, and fill it out. And you'd be like, hey, I want this book and, you know, check mark it. And, and then they, they expected you just like here, put your put your enclose a check or put your credit card number on down for us and send it off in the mail. And eventually you get a book. Science fiction book club. Yep. They sent you that little brochure every month. Yeah, I was a member. I was a member for years until they deep sixed it. Yeah. Oh no, I was a member until they stopped sending you a little card to send back and you had to go online to check off that you didn't want to receive the books. And I said, this is where I draw the line. (laughs) So yeah, it was a different world. So I don't know what we're coming to. It'll be interesting. I'm hoping. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I want to stay hopeful because people really are at heart. They're problem solvers. That's what stories do. They solve problems. You start out with a premise and, and you find a solution through it or you fail. Um, so I have great faith in the human ability to adapt. It's the idiots at the top that are stopping progress that tick me off. And, and the ability of people to start off culture wars. Mm-hmm. 
not knowing the history, you know, where I see this generation fighting with that generation, assuming everybody here is at fault. And it's like, you know, the whole okay boomer thing. Come on. You got the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. You got mm -hmm. the Endangered Species Act. You got 18-year-olds allowed to vote instead of 21. You got a whole pile of things that that generation gave you because they were out in the streets fighting for it. Yeah. But that's all completely forgotten now. Um, if if the young people are going to save the vote, it's because the 18-year-olds are allowed to vote. They were not back then. So I see a lot of the fights that were won and lost being removed because people don't know the value. I mean, you can't, you talk to the people now and you say, I remember driving through New York City and it was as polluted as Beijing. The mm. rivers in New Jersey were on fire. You couldn't put a, a baby out on a balcony in New York City because the blanket would be gray with ash mm. within an hour. Nobody remembers what it was like when industrial pollution had no regulation whatsoever. And so they think we can just get rid of these laws. They don't mean anything because they never saw what it was like before then. So I don't like seeing fighting between groups, identity politics. I don't see like seeing everybody take fire over this generation or that generation as at fault for what became came before. Because it isn't about the generation. There are people in all generations who are fighting to fix it. And there are other people who just don't care. And as far as I see across any given segment of the population, it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the human being. Mm -hmm. And so I always fight to listen to people as opposed to draw boundaries and start fights. Um, because if we can come together over fixing some of the things that are challenging us, we can fix it. We can solve this. But more than anything, we need to work together. And I see the internet as being used to divide us. And that's a pity. Even just in the book community, how many times do you see some stupid war going on because somebody made a dumb comment and nobody could stand not to comment on it instead of just letting it die? Just walk away. Don't say anything. Yeah, we saw that a couple of weeks ago with the Illborn um, author. It never stops. It's yeah. always something. And the question is, when are we going to, as a, as, a, as a human race, grow up and stop beating each other over the head over some dumb comment and really focus on what's important? Which is, let's have all the books. All the books. Because there's all these different people that would enjoy them. Let's have as many books as there are individual people. There's room for all of it instead mm -hmm. of picking fights just because you don't like this or you don't like that TV show or you don't like that movie. Somebody out there does. It was made for them. Mm -hmm. And even if it's inept, well, that person can still grow in their craft. Let them grow. So what's going to give us tolerance? You know, I want to see counterculture. That would be cool. But I also want to see how are we going to cross the tolerance divide? We'll be not a, not as addicted to dopamine. <laughs> Maybe that'll be that. Oh, it's the like button. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Was there anything that you uh, you watched this month, Jenny, that you enjoyed? Well, we are re-watching Person of Interest. Hmm. 
like I mentioned, because we watched the series once through the Netflix rental program, and we felt that the characterization and the script writing was brilliant. And they managed to carry it five seasons, and they managed to carry fairly complex plot lines. And um, so we're rewatching it, and I'm my appreciation for that show has gone up all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, just the the mix of characters, the action characters versus the nerdy, brainy character, the people who have the ethics and the people who don't. Um, and scarily now watching a lot of the predictive technology that was talked about, what, that show came from the 90s? And looking where we are now, we're seeing it happen. Hmm. So that's, we don't watch a lot of, TV or movies, and we don't have TV for one thing. We sort of use the last day, hour or two of the day when our brains are dead. So that's as much watching as we can do. Um, so one TV series will go for a month for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're the same. Yeah. So that's pretty much been our center focus, and Netflix is dying. So I have no idea what we're going to watch next because all we've got is a closet full of movies we've already seen. Yeah, well, th- thankfully, there's a lot of uh, physical media out there to be had for fairly cheap because yeah. it's used. Or um, so, I guess it just depends on. Because I know that uh, locally, there's like for us, there's some used bookstores that carry like DVDs and Blu-rays of old TV series and movies that you can pick up for a few dollars sometimes. So, well, it's hearing from you guys what you think we'd like. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. I'm a terrible barometer for people in movies. <laughs> Awful. I was, afraid, I was about to say lost because we were talking about <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because personal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me and actor in person of interest is Ben, isn't it? Isn't it from Lost? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is. yeah. He went from Lost to person of interest, I think. He did. Yeah. Let me think on that. I'll, let me think on, on uh, we'll, we'll try and get some recommendations. Well, Don likes comedy. I mean, he loved, um, what was that movie about the beer? Strange Brew. That was one of his favorite oh, comedies. Yeah. Um, we liked, what was the TV series about building the railroad across the country? Again, exquisitely done characterization. Oh, we own that one. We bought it. We have we have to rewatch it. We enjoyed um, Agents of Sealed for a while until it got mm-hmm. really off the wall. Off the wall, yeah. Um, we generally watch all the science fiction and fantasy just to keep track of what's done, even if it's done badly. We will watch the series if it's available on DVD because we feel that we should support the field because then we get more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Silo so, was very good. Yeah, we'll we'll watch it. One of my favorite movies ever was a movie called Taffin. Don't hmm. know if you ever saw it. It's an early Pierce Brosnan. It takes right. place in Ireland. T A F F I N. Brilliant. I love that film. That's one of my favorites. Oh. Powerful film. Huh. In two thousand. Yeah, check that one out. Watch it and let me know what you think. Huh. It's not very well known. It's plays on a very familiar theme where the big developers coming in and they're going to wreck the small town. Okay. And the character, the main character um, that Brosnan plays was a ex hitman 
raised a Catholic, come back to his hometown, and he's acting as a um, collector. Huh. People with problems, he's collecting debts. And they pit him against the big corporation who's about to open this very polluting industry in the town. And it's very, very powerful film, hmm. what happens. I'll do my list. Yeah, yeah. check it out. Um, so there's one that I really loved. But hardly anybody's ever heard of it. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way great movies go. What's I watched? Made for Heaven was one of the ones I watched this month. Oh my God, it was brilliant. From 2003 with Todd Haynes. It was Oscar nominated right the way across the thing. When you're watching a film and you go, one, how have I not heard of this? And two, you heard of this person not get nominated for an Oscar for this performance. It was um, uh, what I call Juliana Moore. And of course, I checked and she did get nominated for the Oscar for it because it was that kind of extraordinary performance and Dennis Haysbert in it. And it's very, it's a taken Douglas Cirk melodrama uh, for 2003. We love Ridley Scott films. Oh, we mm. love just about everything Ridley Scott ever did. James Cameron is another one, even though he's a total bastard, but his women characters are outstanding. Standard. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we'll go for almost anything those guys have directed. Um, we like those a lot. What else has been favorites of ours? We liked um, Cinderella Man. You oh, know, yes, I like yes, the yes. rags to riches type of style. Yeah. Yep. So you're getting the kind of a feel. Yeah. Um, I'm not big on horror, but Don likes horror. I'm not, not big on it. My sneaky favorite Ridley Scott movie is Ken Kingdom of Heaven. I think yep. We own that brilliant. one. Brilliant. His Robin Hood was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Ridley Scott is is gold yeah. standard. Yeah. Cameron's Abyss, gold standard. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant living. Yeah. So you're getting the feel of what I like. Okay. I'm um, trying to think, think of uh, any of the other TV series that we liked a lot. Um, I'd have to go in the other room. Don remembers the names of films much better than me. I remember books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, we've watched every major fantasy and science fiction film that's come out. We love the new Dune, the old Dune. I hated the new one. Was like brilliant. <laughs> Regarding the Dune, I have a question: Is that the, you know, the old, you know, like nineteen eighties one, or the sci-fi miniseries? Uh, the nineteen eighties movie. It was I hated it. Yeah, it was yeah, really one. badly done. I could have scripted yeah. that one better than they wrote it. I, I had such high hopes for that film that it would finally be the science fiction film that showed the depth of adult content and not wasn't for kids. And they completely screwed the pooch. All that voiceover of people's thoughts, it was just badly done. Hmm. The new one hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see the sequel, but we're, COVID, we're not going to the theaters. Not in Florida, where it's the Wild West. Um, but yeah, I totally hear you too on like the you know some of the TV series you know that, that they're streaming, and it's like I, I want a Blu-ray collection of this. You know, I don't want to just watch it streaming. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. We loved Enola Holmes, that Nancy Springer. Oh, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Really well done. Haven't seen the sequel yet. Waiting for it to come out on DVD. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If it does, 
Um, but yeah, she did a great job on that. That was really, and I had read Nancy's books from the beginning of her career. Let me see what I can come up with. We'll we'll toss some ideas around and figure out some great suggestions. Because yeah, when when we have to lay out money for them now, we're going to be a little more careful what we pick up. Yeah, that's that's pressure though when you're recommending. Yeah. No, that's it not, isn't. It's not it's that pressure. bad. <laughs> we're capable of making our decisions, but the truth is, unless we have some way to determine what to pick up we're going to really fall by the wayside here unless we decide to spend a big chunk of money on streaming every month yeah it adds yeah up. So, when know, by like, the time we pay to jack up the internet and by the time we pay the overage fees and by the time we pay the various services it's going to come to easily 70 bucks a month 100 bucks oh yeah yeah easily yeah. i'm looking at my list of my top top movies list that i've ever made There's very little. It's apart from like 2001 Spirit of Sodacy. Pan's Labyrinth's on there. Yeah, we've got those. We own all yeah. of those. The Handmaiden by Park Chung Wook. I'm not sure. It's a Korean I'd film. Have, it's, I'd have to ask Don. It's quite brilliant. Um, let's see what else I've got. Children of Men. That's seen. really good Children too. Yeah, it's great. Uh, bu- 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 I've got Ghost in the Shell on there, the anime. <laughs> yeah. Love that movie. I haven't uh, seen it. World in a Wire by uh, Fassbender, Rainer Werner Fassbender. It's a I sneaky sci fi film. Think, I think we might have seen that, but I'd have to ask Don to be sure. Yeah, you can do. That's an hmm. interesting one. And then it's a bit of a sci fi horror, sci fi horror, sci fi horror. Solaris is on there by Tarkovsky. You know, Don likes the thrillers. He liked Die Hard. He liked Blue White. Good thriller by Brenda Palma with John Travolta. Hmm. And John Lithgow. Um... Geez, yeah, we should have got the list from you when Netflix was still going because we probably could have got a lot of those old films. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hopefully, another one. Usually, what happens in that case is somebody else starts up on a smaller scale and and you know replaces it because there'll be. That's what happened in the UK anyway. There was a DVD Netflix became a company called Love Film in all the right. UK. They collapsed and fell apart, and they give away all their discs basically. And then hmm. another company started up many many couple of years later, and that's the one that's still going now. Well, if you hear of something in the U.S., let us know because we might not be plugged up. What? People will be relying on it. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, the biggest frustration now is a lot of the Disney stuff that we can't get at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the Star Wars writers apparently are really doing a bang-up job. Yeah, Andor's supposed to be really good. and It does seem like they're slowly putting some of the Disney stuff onto Blu-ray. I think like one of the Marvel shows is finally getting a Blu-ray. Well, Marvel, I want to see some of the, I want to see Andor. Yeah. Uh, Three things coming out. They've got uh, the three seasons of Mandalorian coming out, which is obviously Yeah, I want to see the Mandalorian. I want to see Loki, which is excellent, and WandaVision, which is also excellent. All three of those are really, really Brilliantly standalone as well, I would say. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, and you know, Jenny mentioned Rings of Power earlier. I'm like, I want a Blu-ray release of this. I know not everyone was thrilled with it, but I really liked it. <laughs> What did you uh what did you watch this month, uh Chippy Pop? Uh I've watched uh, I don't honestly watch a lot of TV. Um you know, I have a whole bunch of movies, but I watch most of them. Um, and and you know, so, so sometimes I watch things. Uh one of the things I really watched this month uh have been, you know, a couple of Wheel of Time episodes. Hmm. All right, okay. Thanks. Uh, I've been hearing decent things about it. It seems like people are enjoying it more than season one, at least. Yeah, um, I didn't watch a lot of season one. I was like, mm. um, but I was so just kind of overall. I never finished the the series itself, so you know the books. So um, okay. I was just like, okay. Um, um, but they, yeah, they and they apparently had a lot of problems during filming. With COVID and everything for season one, so it was kind of a mess. Um, but they've really upped their, you know, uh, got past that and did a lot, really a lot of good stuff with the season. You know, admittedly, you see all the people who are like, rah, 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 this isn't like in the books. I'm like, well, it's an adaptation, it's not going to be like in the books. If they were following the books, we'd still be somewhere in book one, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, those early books plod along. Hmm. I didn't get a a whole lot this month. I just re- we watched Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. And that was it's a yeah, yeah. Belgian or is it Swedish? Swedish, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, there's 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 the original, and then they the made a yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, some people regard it as the, as the best vampire film ever, but I'm not sure about that. But I there's a lot to discuss with it, so it was fun to. Can't be better than Blade Two. Can't can't be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, what else? Um, the other one was oh, Foundation season one. Oh yes. What do you think of yeah. Foundation, Steve? I thought it was really uneven. Um, yeah. There were some storylines that would were, were really really good, and then there's other ones that felt like there was a different writer's room because hmm. it is varying degrees of quality and i think a lot of the acting i think the there's a couple of the storylines that had the worst writing had also had the worst acting so it's very uneven and it was there was yeah. some there was a couple of storylines i really enjoyed and then it went to the the another story i won't spoil anything but i went to another one that was yeah. like this is really bad <laughs> it was really weird it was really uneven um yeah. overall i enjoyed it though i think there were some good things happening um and i didn't i didn't i haven't read the books yet but our, our friend uh joshua had the discussion with us and i didn't know that a lot of the characters were um were gender swapped so a lot of the characters oh, were right. men. Okay, I didn't know that. so yeah i had no idea so i think there's like two women in the whole series and in the so in the TV series, it's, I mean, I think there's maybe 60% women in the, so I was really surprised that there was, there was so many, because. Yeah, shops. Yeah, but it worked. I mean, I liked it, so. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Another favorite of ours back in the day was We Love Babylon 5. Oh, oh yeah. Back in the day. Um, so we own that one. Somebody Have gave you... me the, the full set of it, all of it. 
Have you seen Firefly, Jenny? Yes, we love that. Okay. We okay. love that. And we love the the old Horatio Hornblower series. That was yes. pretty well done. We like the Sharp. Sharp movies, Bernard Cornwell's adaptations. Hmm. Um, so I'm just giving you ideas of other things that we enjoyed. Okay. Uh oh, Chris found something. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, the big collection. The big collection. Babylon the Five. Yeah, we have we have all of those. Yes, Chris Seed and yeah, all the bits and bobs. I love Babylon Five. Although the last series. Well, it was back for its day. It was just very well done, and it had great complexity and depth to the concepts. Um, Firefly, you had to couple it with the movie for it all to make sense because he didn't right. get to finish the series but we have right. that yeah we have all that i remember being on a i can say it now because me old password but i remember you know doing those tell call center phone calls when they say can i take the first letter of your password the second letter of your password that kind of thing you know before you go and i give him a couple of letters of, of the password and he can obviously see the, that's one of the nice things he can obviously see my full password and i just went is that a babylon 5 reference <laughs> i went it is <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, we used to we used to watch the the robot chicken uh, episodes. Ah yes, yes, yep, yes. we enjoyed that. It was just uh, so off the wall. That's one of the happiest moments of my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. And some somebody get see the word out of context and goes, really? <laughs> that hasn't been on TV for fifteen years. It had an effect. Let's just put it that way. Never know yeah, but you could people. get that from Netflix, so we did. That's true. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah Battlestar Galactica, tremendous. Not new series. Which one, the old one or the new one? Well, I, I like the old one, but the new one's spectacular. I could, I, I couldn't, I didn't go for the new one very much. Oh, hmm. I've heard a couple Just of people say that recently. Didn't actually, work but... for me. Every time you saw it, all the characters had blood on their face. Yeah. <laughs> like it got really old. How much? Um. So I just didn't, I didn't really click with the first one either. I know people really like the second one. I just found it kind of, um, the end of, end of the grim and politicky. And, you know, it's like when, when the chips, I'm an outward bound graduate, when the chips are really yeah. down and you're trying to survive, people usually aren't cutting each other's throats. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't work for me. But you know, it's like, it's like my friends who are first responders and telling them, let's go watch a crime movie. They just said, nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> We do enough of that all day long, and uh, this isn't entertainment. Yeah, the two thousand you know three Battlestar Galactica is like, you know, there there were I like some of it, but yeah, there was it got kind of odd at times. That one episode in the first season, though, like thirty three. Yeah, it's great. Idea. Was 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 beautiful though. Like they're being chased, and the bad guys show up every thirty three minutes. Hmm. They've got to jump every thirty three minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Get away from them, and it's it and yet, yet the other episodes are like water. We have no water. Like okay, <laughs> that 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 could be a planet. That could be in space. That could be you know, all, yeah, kind of. But the the culmination of all of that in the end of season four, that episode with the song, oh chills. Yeah, I could watch that all day, every day. That one episode. You know, we like science fiction, but not when you can pick it apart with your high school science, <laughs> like. I, I recall as a kid watching Star Trek and they're using Earth's gravitational field to whip them around so oh, they can yes, go yes, back yes. in time. And here's the stars going whizzing past. And it's yeah. like, you're still in the Earth's gravitation field. Right. 
So I used to watch Star Trek, the early ones, for Comedy Hour because it was just so stupid. Well, they were, though. You know, they, they were sort of goofy. not serious. Yeah, they were goofy, yeah. They were revolutionary for representation of characters. Yeah. Yeah. And they were revolutionary for certain things. <laughs> um, the more recent ones are a lot more fun. You know, we really enjoyed the recent Star Trek, you know, where oh. they went back to Captain Kirk's beginnings. That was just brilliantly put together. We enjoyed Great, that tremendously. Um, so, you know, you're getting a feel for yeah. for what we like. Yeah. Yeah. I like how they, some of the original Star Trek was prophetic about technology, though. Yeah, well, like, with, this, with the salt and pepper shakers is the original medical team's equipment. <laughs> kind of but like predicting things, you know, we got, you know, you know, where you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, it's like all the cell phones and things. They and didn't predict them. The cell phone companies copied the communicators in Star Trek because they looked cool. Yeah. The flip phones yeah, came from the like, Star yeah, Trek. So, yeah. Tell me about science fiction writers preceding the curve and breaking the envelope for sure they do it all the time they do it all the time well oh so uh yeah the time of course always flies because it's two and a half hours later <laughs> oh my god has it been two and a half hours i guess it has yeah. it's full dark yeah. <laughs> i'd set up the horse's food for don to just dump in the bucket so i wouldn't have to worry about that Nice. <laughs> you knew. Yeah, you knew. Well, you you're a great group of people. The time just flies. It's great. It flies, it's like flies. a party. It's it's fun. It is, yeah. So hope to do this every month. This is the, yep. the end of the month, just to touch base cool. and just talk about the month and what we're doing and what we're up to and all that other fun stuff. But cool. in the meantime, uh Chibi Poor, where can people find you? Uh well on page twoing, of course. And um, you know, I'm on, on Twitter at Chibi Po One and good read some just chibi po and uh yeah <laughs> no website of my own yet not yet and uh jenny where can people find you and and pre-order pre the new book they can pre-order the new book at any outlet that has it up yet the u.s is trailing because they mm -hmm. were fooling with the release date and i'm trying to get that corrected um, so that the U.S. isn't up, but it's up everywhere else. Um, you, you can see the spelling of my name there, or no, maybe you can't. It's <laughs> J-A-N-N-Y-W-U-R-T-S. I'm the only Janny Wirtz in the world. Do a search. You'll find my website. I'm on Twitter. I'm a page chewing. I show up here and there, but I'm really not hard to find. Yeah. And Chris, where can people find you? So you can find me on my YouTube channel, at Chris Moon, uh, C-H-R-I-S-M-O-H-A-N. Uh, there's more than one of me, so you might find somebody else. Uh, or you can find me on the page too, of course. Nice. And I'll have all those links uh, down below in the description for the show, so be sure to check them out. Cool. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, and I hope we have a, a great October, and we'll, we'll be back in a few weeks. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hosting sure. us, Steve. Yeah. Of course. Thanks, Steve. Mm -hmm.